They fear many people have died in an explosion at a fertiliser plant. Dozens of people have been injured. The blast caused major damage to nearby buildings, including a nursing home. Reports from Boston say police investigating the bombing of the city's marathon have identified a possible suspect from surveillance camera footage. The video apparently shows a man placing a package at the scene and then leaving. A paralysed man who's brought a legal case arguing his right to die has spoken out for the first time about his campaign. Paul Lamb, who until now has been known only as L, told told the BBC he was waiving his right to anonymity because he wanted people to back a change in the law. Mr Lamb was paralysed from the neck down in a car accident in 1990 and suffers constant pain. A petition supporting plans for a mental health clinic in Hitchin has been submitted to North Hertfordshire District Council. More than 100 people have backed a proposal for the clinic, despite objections from those living near the site. Permission could be granted for the facility at a meeting tonight, but local resident Katie Stocker admits safety issues are a concern. There's always a worry about that, isn't there? I mean, yeah, there is always a worry, but I know mental health is its very evocative and people, I think the worry is people don't know enough about it. So, you know, getting it out there is a good thing, but just what level will it be? Neighbours in Berkhamsted say they fear for the safety of their cats after a spate of fatal poisoning. Around 10 cats have been found dead in the last five months. Chelsea Rookley's pet was among them. It seems to have ingested antifreeze. I don't think that people have reported them to the police and I think this is what the problem is, is whoever's doing this is getting away with it on the basis that people just think that it's an accident and it's just like, how can three cats accidentally all die in a weekend? In sport, Manchester United's lead at the top of the Premier League tables been cut to 13 points after drawing two all at West Ham and Manchester City beat Wigan 1-0 last night. The weather cloudy with scattered showers and a top temperature of 14 degrees Celsius, that's 57 Fahrenheit. There's more news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. BBC Three Counties Radio, first for news. Catherine, yes. can I ask, what are you wearing today? I've got jeans, I've got a pale blue shirt and I'm wearing my green jacket that will come off as I get warmer. I've got, I'm wearing what's known as a wiggle dress. Is that named after the Australian children's entertainers? <laughs> yes. Is it? Yeah. Um, no, it's not. It's a flowery dress, but it's sort of like a pencil skirt finish. So you're, you're basically, you're wearing work-appropriate clothes. Yeah, now, I hope so. Uh, now, I'm not allowed to give any names, but uh, one of the reporters coming up in the next 15 minutes apparently is wearing only a red fluffy dressing gown. Good grief. Terrifying. <laughs> no names, no pack drill, but... Oh, dear. That's a true fact, by the way. That's a true fact. Thanks to the unique way the BBC is funded, one of my reporters in the next 15 minutes can wear a red fluffy dressing gown a day. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. I'm, I'm buoyed and joyed by the fact it's daylight out there. As I was driving in at half past four... It was getting a little bit light and a little bit lighter, and I've come downstairs to the studio and I've passed a window overlooking the luxury car park here, full of Lamborghinis and Porsches, and it's daylight out there. How marvellous is that? Spring may be upon us. Lots coming up on the show this morning, including... We'll hear why negotiations between police and crime commissioners of Bedfordshire, Hertfordshire and Cambridgeshire... Well, they've broken down. We'll find out what that means for you. Plans are being submitted for a mental health clinic in Hitchin. Well, we heard that people were against it. Now there's a petition in favour of the facility. Well, would you want one near you? And what would you do if you suspected that cats where you live were being poisoned? We'll hear why pet owners in Berkhampstead are so worried about theirs. We're doing lots of stories recently about people having it in for cats. What's wrong with you lot? For God's sakes, they're cats! 
Leave me alone. Lots of ways to get in touch. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. You can send me a text, 81333. Start your text, 3CR. Put your name on it, please. Or you can give me a phone call, 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Well, this is a a turn-up for the books. You may remember on this programme, we told you that the police and crime commissioners of Bedfordshire, Hertfordshire and Cambridgeshire were hoping to work together over the provision of back office services. Well, negotiations have failed. The Hertfordshire force has decided to go its own way and look elsewhere for supply of services such as IT and human resources. It comes after we reported yesterday that David Lloyd, the police and crime commissioner for Hertfordshire, said he thinks you should intervene more when you witness crimes being committed. Well, lots of stuff to uh, to have a look at here. Well, our political reporter, Paul Scoynes, has been following these stories. Paul, can you explain more about the background to this, please? Yeah, Ian. What we what we understand at the BBC, and this has come from, from uh, colleagues at Look East who've been uh, speaking to sources within the police, we understand, is that, uh, remember a couple of months ago, uh, when we talked about G4S, and there was that big sort of scandal, if you like, over the uh, deal that was going to happen to share back office functions, those sort of, uh, those, those behind the scenes bit that are sometimes done by civilians uh, in the police forces, maybe the sort of pay processing, you know, payment, payment you know, all that HR, that kind of stuff. And, and they were going to get a private company to do it. Then when Oli Martins, the, the Labour Bedfordshire Police and Crime Commission was elected. He was he he ran, if you like, on a ticket saying we won't have G4S. That rather scuppered that plan. So they had to go back to the drawing board. So what they were going to do is try and work together to find a better solution. What we now understand is that Hertfordshire's Conservative Police and Crime Commissioner has pulled out of that agreement, or has at least said that he's going to try and go it alone and potentially use the county council as a as a provider. Uh, which is interesting because, as we've reported recently uh, on your program, Ian, that, that uh, David is going to stand again on the elections on the uh, 2nd of May, so he will continue to be a county councillor. So the idea that he's both police and crime commissioner and a county councillor, and also as the police and crime commissioner commissioning the county council to potentially do some work is interesting. This does perhaps potentially leave uh, Bedfordshire and Cambridgeshire in a little bit of a bind, probably uh, Bedfordshire potentially more, as you heard from one of your uh, guests in the last week or so, uh, uh, Bernard Bricks, who's a uh, Home Office police advisor who's been looking at the police and crime plan for us. He said that Bedfordshire was pretty much on the wire when it came to money and that working with other organisations, other police forces, was essential in its uh, in the delivery of its budget. So it will be really interesting to see, and this is very much early stages in, 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 in where we know this. We're sort of literally reacting to something that came in late last night. Uh, so we, we don't know quite what's going to happen with the other forces. We understand my colleagues at Radio Cambridgeshire are going to be talking to their PCC later this morning and try and find out. We're obviously going to try and, and, and find out from Molly Martins what's going on as well. And we will be speaking to David Lloyd a little bit later in the programme. Paul, Paul, why would um, negotiations have failed? Because this is one of the big selling points for all three of these gentlemen was we're going to work together, it'll save us money, it'll be more efficient. Why have the negotiations failed? Well, we, uh, at the moment, Ian, I'm afraid we just don't know. Uh, I mean, uh, David Lloyd has always said that he's looking at lots of different varieties of options in terms of uh, sharing services and potentially streamlining those services in the back office. He 
said after the collapse of the G4S deal that he would potentially consider it as a loan partner. So I suppose in that respect, we shouldn't be surprised if he's if he's looking at doing something on his own because he's effectively already said on the programme that he might consider doing such a thing. Uh, so I, I think that he's very much keen to involve a, uh, a an organisation other than the police in running these functions. He certainly made that clear in his manifesto when he was running for the commissioner's job back in November. So perhaps we shouldn't be surprised that, they, they, that, that, that this is happening because, you know, ultimately he said that that might happen in the first place. What it does, however, do, as I say, is, is leave the other two forces in potentially a, a, a problem in that they've now got to start to think about what they do and whether or not they do something combined, just Bedfordshire and Hertfordshire, uh, sorry, Bedfordshire and Cambridgeshire, or again, do something in themselves or, or maybe look to another force as well, perhaps Northamptonshire to try and do something as well. Because, I mean, it would seem, and I had a conversation yesterday with another PCC with Anthony Stansfeld from Thames Valley, uh, that police forces and, and police commissioners are looking even further afield to share services. They're not just considering uh, the neighbouring forces, they're looking beyond. So uh, it, it may happen that, that there is uh, one organisation who does all of the PCC areas, if, if, if that comes to it. We just don't know at the moment. It still is fairly early days. Paul, just to uh, to move on, and we, we're running out of time slightly, I want to ask you, um, David Lloyd is in the news again for something else he said. In a lecture at the University of Hertfordshire, uh, he said he felt too many people fail to intervene because they think it's only the job of the police. Is he telling us we should intervene more? Well, what he's saying is that not everybody should intervene in every instance. He said that people need to have a regard for their own safety and shouldn't put themselves at risk. But he says that he fears that too many of us have have reverted to what he calls a default response of not intervening. And he blames a health and safety culture, uh, which restricts us, he says, from clearing snow for fear of being sued. Uh, But he just questions whether or not society, uh, by the decline in public intervention, is, is at risk and says that citizens' arrests have declined by half over the last 10 years and says that, uh, you know, perhaps there's a fear that the criminal's reaction might be uh, dangerous towards them. And he says that police should work to try and support people who want to intervene. So uh, you can certainly put those points to him later. Paul, I will do. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, Political reporter Paul Scoynes there. Later this morning, Police and Crime Commissioner David Lloyd will be joining me on this programme. And I want to hear from you on that last point in particular. What would you do if you saw a crime being committed? David Lloyd seems to well, well, did say that uh, people fail to intervene because they think it's only the job of the police. No, no, no. I fail to intervene because I don't want to get a kicking from a crook. That's why I don't want to get stabbed or shot. Have you seen a crime happen? Did you get involved? Did you step in? Did you try and help someone? Or did you think, ah, no, 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 no. It's way too risky. What would you do if you saw a crime being committed? 08459 455 555. I'd like to think I'd help. Not sure. Need your help with this one, please. Speak to you after this, the OJs.
is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. Coming up, you want a mental health centre near you? And also cats potentially being murdered. Have you come across this? 08459 455 555 615. Let's get the latest travel news now. Here's Adam Glynn. and Bucks Travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Thanks Ian, good morning. If you're heading up the M40 northbound, there's one lane closed following an accident with two lorries involved. It's between Junction 8A at Oxford and 9 at Bicester, so if that's part of your journey this morning, expect things to look a little bit slow. If you're heading toward London, the M40 is looking fine the other way. All the other major routes down toward London doing fine as well. And no M25 delays yet. On the tubes, we've got a couple of problems, though. The Northern Line, Old Street Station, is currently closed because of staff shortage. And the Piccadilly Line has been suspended between Hammersmith and King's Cross. Minor delays on the rest of the line. There was a trespass on the track at Hyde Park Corner. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. Right, nearly 6.16. It's Thursday, the 18th of April. I'm Ian Lee, and these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. The BBC understands the Police and Crime Commissioner for Hertfordshire is breaking away from his counterparts in Bedfordshire and Hertfordshire, uh, Be- uh, Bedfordshire sorry, and Cambridgeshire over the provision of backroom staff. A petition supporting plans for a mental health clinic in Hitchin has been submitted to North Hertfordshire District Council. In sport, Luton Town play their final home match of the season tonight as they host Ebbsfleet at Kenilworth Road. The weather today for beds, hearts and bucks, cloudy with scattered showers and a top temperature of 14 degrees. Coming up, before 6.30, plans are being submitted for a mental health clinic in Hitchin. Well, there's a petition in favour of the facility. Would you want one near you? 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Every weekday from three, Roberto Peroni with the best local news stories. I get to meet a lot of really interesting people with the most amazing stories. We feel as if we haven't been taken notice of. Yesterday we heard that the bank had gone, but today it's still there. The cat got delivered up in Kabul. You should be back in the UK in two months. With the best local talking points. Do some of the bakers have flapjack fights? No, of course not, Roberto. Well, not in our shops. <laughs> Roberto Peroni, weekdays from three. On B- BBC Three Counties Radio.
too busy finding ways and I know I do most anything you want Hey, I, I try to give you everything you need I'll see that it gets to you supporting plans for a mental health clinic in Hitchin has been submitted to the council. More than 100 people have backed a proposal for the clinic. Permission is likely to be granted for the facility at a meeting tonight. However, the council has also received objections to the proposals from those living near the site. Our reporter Ewan Duncan spoke to Katie Stocker, who sent the local authority a letter explaining her concerns. We wrote to the local council saying we don't agree with the change of the proposal because there's quite a big difference between retail office use and, you know, mental health clinic, which is obviously quite an evocative statement. And... I don't think that it was explained fully. There weren't many details given about what kind of mental health clinic is it going to be used, you know, what purpose is it used for. Are there going to be night, you know, people being here throughout the night or is it just a drop-in clinic? And also my fears are the parking. There's no parking available here for employees and visitors and the waste system's already kind of at a maximum level. There's not great facility for any sort of waste. And also it's a little bit, it's quite quiet up here, which also is a worry is that, you know, like late at night and things like that. There seems to be a main entrance door, but I don't think the plan is to use that. Right, yeah, I think it's down by the front near other residents where they'd be using the front entrance and also that might be a worry for them down there. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm not involved in that directly. But yeah, my main concern is is the parking, is the use of the building, as in it hasn't been explained how it will be used as a mental health clinic and the thoroughfare as well i mean this is is quite a quiet road i don't know whether that would impact on the rate of use of the, this road there are people who say that anyone can experience mental health problems and it is an issue that needs to be addressed within communities no i completely agree and i'm not against it for the fact that it's a bad proposal i just don't know enough about it to kind of agree with it so far 
and there are plenty of other open spaces in the town that could be used for this so I don't understand why this one has been earmarked for the mental health clinic. And to those who don't know Hitchin well it's just off the centre of the town up a little walkway? Yeah up a little walkway which um it's just off the main square so I suppose that's that's a, a good area but I'm just worried that it's it is quite quiet up here and um I don't know whether it would impact I don't it would definitely impact our road and our residential area I think being in the centre is handy but as you say it's just a little awkward yeah. to find yeah and there's no parking around here so that's obviously a worry and like I said there's plenty of vacant units in town if they're thinking of <laughs> you know wanting to put it in a central location do you feel there's a safety issue if it does go ahead well there's always a worry about that isn't there I mean yeah there is always a, a, a worry but I know mental health is it's very evocative and people I think the worry is people don't know enough about it so you know getting it out there is a good thing but just what level will it be that was Ewan Duncan speaking to Katie Stocker from Hitchin. Well, another Cooper's Yard resident, Lena Laganovska, understands the need for the clinic, but also has some reservations. I have nothing against unless that uh, people who need the help like that, and it, it's controlled environment. And uh, my main concern would be only if this street, which is between the houses on Cooper's Yard, if that street would be started using for the traffic and for, as a car park for the people who would be attending the clinic. That would be the only concern from my, from my side. But otherwise, there should be a place for people who need this help. And obviously, the NHS or whoever is in, in charge of this project has found a place here in Hitchin, in, in our area. So I have nothing against it. But the only concern would be how it would, would be impact later the traffic. Are there access issues? I believe there would be, because there is no access from this side of the road. Coming from Paints Park, there is no access to the area. And down from the Market Square side, there is also, that's the only entrance to this compound. Therefore, I believe it's actually, in a way, it's a good area. It's in the, in the centre, but I don't believe it's good for, for the people who would be attending clinic. It's not very easy to access. And people who are out at work probably wouldn't notice it. Yeah, I wouldn't notice because, yeah, I'm working on a daily basis from early hours to late hours in the days. But I believe my neighbours who has small children and who are on a daily basis at home, they would have more to say against this idea. Would you prefer to see it remain as a retail outlet? Maybe, but yeah, then it's... It doesn't. It wouldn't have the have impact on a daily on a on a daily routine for the residents of this area. But as a clinic, then I believe it would be greater impact. Rather. Well, in around an hour's time, we'll speak to Monique Blackham, who started the petition supporting the plans. What do you think? Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. We've we've mentioned this before. Would you want a mental health clinic in your area in your neighbourhood? Is there anything really to be worried about? Is it just a lack of education and a prejudice against people who are mentally ill? 08459 455 555 is the telephone number. Just got time to tell you something that's happening later on uh, on BBC Three Counties Radio. From midday, Nick Coffer will be here. And today he's talking to ooh, one of my early crushes, Carol Decker of Tapal, who tweeted me yesterday. Yeah, that's right, Carol Decker of Tapal tweeted me. If uh, 15-year-old me... Could, would be told that one day Carol Decker of Tapal would tweet me. 15-year-old me would go, what does tweeting mean? Uh, they're going to chat about her meteoric rise to the top of the charts and what life has been like since the band split. Nick Coffer talking to Carol Decker today from midday. We're also uh, on this show later on. 
there's been a spate of what can only be described as cat murders because cats are being murdered. We, we suspect um, in Berkhamsted. Has this happened to you? Anywhere in the three counties? Have you had um, the, the suspicious cat deaths? We're doing a lot recently about attacks on cats. And I don't want to get into the whole cats-dogs debate because we, I think we've proved that cats are the better pet. Why is there so much hatred towards cats? What's wrong with them? They come and do a little, little whoopsie in your garden. I mean, really... It's, it's not the, the biggest thing in the world. Oh, the cat's on a whoopsie in my roses. Ah, really? It's not the greatest crime in the world. And yet there are people out there killing cats. Oh, wait, 459. 455, 555. Can we see how widespread this is? I'm hoping we don't get many calls about this. I'm hoping this is just a small thing that's happening in a small area and it's not that widespread. 08459 455 555. Right, let's get the travel news now. Here's Adam Glynn. Hearts and Bucks Travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. If you're heading north up the M40, there's still one lane closed following an accident. Two lorries involved. It's between Junction 8A at Oxford and 9 at Bicester. And that's, well, at the minute, looking round there on the cameras, traffic seems to be moving quite well past the scene of that accident, not causing too much disruption. Through Hatfield, it's looking slow on the A1000. On the southbound side, between Southway and Kentish Lane. Delays of about 15, 20 minutes through there already, so traffic definitely starting to build. No problems or delays on the trains this morning, but if you're heading into London on the tubes, first off the Northern Line, Old Street Station is closed. They've got a staff shortage there. And they've also got the suspension of the Piccadilly Line between Hammersmith and King's Cross. Minor delays to the rest of the line. They had a trespasser on the track at Hyde Park Corner. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Adam, thank you very much. Coming up to 6.30, let's get the latest news and sport now. Here's Catherine Boyle. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning, the headlines. The BBC understands the Police and Crime Commissioner for Hertfordshire is breaking away from his counterparts in Bedfordshire and Hertfordshire over the provision of backroom staff. More on this story with Ian Lee in the next hour. A petition supporting plans for a mental health clinic in Hitchens has been submitted to North Hertfordshire District Council. And neighbours in Berkhamsted say they fear for the safety of their cats after a spate of fatal poisonings in the area. Beds, Hearts and Bucks Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. Controversial Robin Van Persie strike gave Manchester United a two-all draw at West Ham last night. Television replays showed Van Persie was in an offside position as he scored to level the match. United came from behind twice last night and Sir Alex Ferguson feels his side's determination not to leave Upton Park empty-handed is the hallmark of champions. I think that their performance level has been very good. Consistency, determination, they played with champions tonight. My, my weekend, they never gave in, stood up to everything they, it was asked of them. And uh, well, only five games left now. Meanwhile, Manchester City kept their hopes of retaining the Premier League title alive with a 1-0 win against Wigan and John Terry scored twice following a stunning David Luiz strike as Chelsea beat Fulham 3-0 to move above Arsenal into third place. Luton Town play their final home met match of the season tonight as they host Ebbsfleet at Kenilworth Road. Manager John Still says he wants to maintain the good form shown since the heavy defeat away to Gateshead. It's how you respond to disappointment. We got beat at Gateshead and we've been very, very good since. So... You know, as, as, as poor as it looked then, it's as good as it's, you know, becoming now. So I'm quite impressed with that, how we've dealt with it. 
And there's full commentary on Luton versus Ebbs Fleet in three county sport tonight from seven o'clock. Playing home to Doncaster on Wednesday night, uh, and we should be able to give you some more on Bedford rugby at some point uh, in the next hour or so. Finally, Sir Chris Hoy is expected to confirm his retirement today following six Olympic titles, 11 world titles, and two Commonwealth crowns, and is the inspiration for a generation. The 37 year old Scotsman's called a press conference in his native Edinburgh, where he's poised to formally end his outstanding 13 year cycling career and that's the latest news and sport more from me at seven o'clock I got, i'm worried then i thought we'd have to come and put another tuppence in your meter the <laughs> robot robot cath was breaking down i had i thought i had a story but it was just a little note from one of my colleagues which is always nice but not when you're expecting to tell people stuff <laughs> you have been told colleagues you have been told across beds hearts and bucks this is ian lee on bbc three counties radio morning what would you do if you suspected that cats where you live are being poisoned? Well, we'll hear why pet owners in Berkhamsted are so worried about theirs. And David Lloyd, the Police and Crime Commissioner for Hertfordshire, said he thinks you should intervene more when you witness crimes being committed. What would you do if you saw a crime being committed? Have you intervened? I've kind of intervened a couple of small things. Nothing major. Things where I knew I wouldn't get a kicking or a stabbing. Well, actually, I didn't know that at all. 08459 455 555. Ever seen a crime being committed? Did you walk on by? Or did you uh, step in and try and stop it? Well, our uh, crime correspondent, Justin Dealey, has been finding out what you think. You can also give me a call. 08459 455 555.
Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Police are investigating a spate of cat killings in Berkhamsted. Several cats have been found dead around Westfield Road since November last year. Our reporter, Sophie Soleri, has been to meet some of the owners. My name's Anne and I live in Chaucer Close. And there's someone round here poisoning cats. I look after a cat that lives opposite me when the lady goes away. And she said to me, I'm just taking Poppet to the vets. She's been sick and she's off her food for two days. On the Thursday morning, the lady next door to me came round. She'd had two cats poisoned. One had died on Wednesday evening and one the Friday before. So I then phoned Emma that lives opposite and told her and she said she phoned the vets and the vet said her cat was in a critical condition. He thought it was antifreeze as well. And then her cat died on the Saturday morning, never recovered. Then on the Saturday morning, I went down to the shop and there was a poster outside the shop saying that a cat was missing. So I phoned the number and I said to the lady, I'm sorry, don't know anything about your cat, but I know there's someone around here poisoning them. So she phoned me back later on and said, thank you for phoning we found our cat, it had been poisoned and it was lying under the hedge. And then I spoke to someone else and the person at number four, Chaucer Close, had found a cat that wasn't theirs, they don't know where it came from, dead on their doorstep. Why do you think this is happening? Obviously someone doesn't like cats because they can be a nuisance, they go in people's gardens and people don't like them, but you don't have to... Hi, my name's Katie Merrick, and from last November we've lost three kittens, Buzz, Rex and Slinky. Buzz Lightyear died in November last year. Just started going all, like, floppy and wouldn't eat or anything. And uh, we took him to the Pets at Home Vets, and they said he'd been poisoned. Went in the morning to pick him up, and he hadn't made it through the night. And and you were told it was through antifreeze? Yeah, the vet said it had to be antifreeze, because that's the only thing that could have killed him that quickly. So that was one of the first incidents on your road? Yeah. What happened next? In January, the police randomly turned up at my house asking them if I'd had a cat that had died because another four cats had been killed along the road with antifreeze. And then on Friday, I get a call from my partner saying that he's at the vets with Slinky, our youngest kitten at four months. And then another call saying that they've had to put him down because he had antifreeze poisoning. And then the next morning, we got up at 8 o'clock in the morning thinking Rex was okay, went downstairs and his legs just kept separating. Had to take him to the vets and he got put down at quarter to nine in the morning and he was 13 months old. You've lost three cats in the space of five months, two this weekend. Yeah, it's horrible. They all had a cat each and now they've got none. I've had to explain to them why their cats are now in heaven. And we had to bury them and have a funeral and they gave Rex, because we knew Rex was going to die, they gave him kisses to go to heaven with. Saturday morning, didn't you? Do you miss your cat? Yes, Rex. Rex. And where are they now? In heaven, but they're all heaven, in heaven together, aren't they? They're in pussy cat heaven. So you're convinced that someone is killing your cats? Yeah, it just seems too weird that eight cats have now died along our street. Will you get another cat? No, definitely not. I can't put my kids through that again. They don't understand. They think now when you're ill, you're going to die. Well, just incredible, isn't it? With us now is one of the owners, uh, Julie Rookley. Her cat, Diego, was one of those who died. Morning, Julie. Morning. Tell us what happened to your cat. Um, well, we've got... we Diego was about three, and we came home on Sunday... Um, and at 7 o'clock at night, we found him upstairs. Um, he was lying on the bedroom floor, fitting. His eyes were rolling. Um, he was semi-conscious. 
when we lifted him, he cried. Um, we took him to the vets um, Sunday night. Um, they put him on a drip and did lots of tests. And then Monday, we went, we got a phone call to say his kidneys and liver were failing. Um, he had um, crystals in what urine he could produce, and he'd been poisoned by antifreeze. Um, and at sort of 20 past six on Monday night, they put him to sleep. I'm really sorry to hear that. Listen, I'm a cat person. I would be devastated if something like that happened to, to my little girl. When you realised, when you were told that the cat had been poisoned, how did you react? How did that make you feel? Just, we, to- we got told that a lovely lady came and knocked on our door in November and said somebody was poisoning the cats. And we kept him in for a few weeks and he got so distressed. And then when this happened over the weekend, I just felt so guilty because... We thought this is all stopped. We thought somebody was doing this and then had probably had a conversation with somebody had stopped doing it. And so we'd let him out. He was so distressed when he was in the house on his own. He used to bite his own fur and cry. Um, and then he came back and we're devastated. We're, all of us are devastated. You've got another cat, I believe. What are you doing to protect that one? We started to look for a rehome for her because she's seven and she, well, she's nearly eight. And um, if she takes any antifreeze in, she'll just die. Mm. She, she's a, a, a little old lady who just wants to sit in the sun and sit on your knee and just eat a dinner and be left alone. But in the summer, she spends all time sat on the doorstep in the sun or under a bush in the shade. If we leave her now and she dies, I'm just never going to forgive myself. Without mentioning any names or anything like that, do, do, do people in the neighbourhood have suspicions of who may be doing this? Yeah, they, the, the, the strong suspicions about who is possibly doing this. And have, and have are, you... And I, I, I don't want any clues as to who it may no, be, of no, course, no. they're not here, but uh, has anybody spoken to this, this person or these people and, and, and asked them? Um, the RSPCA came yesterday, um, and the RSPCA said to um, my husband that this is usually um, mechanics that have might, might have made a mistake and spilt some fluids and not cleaned them up, yep. um, or extremely keen gardeners. Um, now, that in his uh, professional experience, that tends to be the type of sources of antifreeze. Mm. You know, and, and he would suspect, with this being going on for so long and so many cats, that it's probably the latter and not not the first. Although obviously, unless they've got proof. Yeah, yeah. How, how many cats have been have died in your area? Do you know? Um, we're now starting to think there's nearer fifteen or twenty. And I'm assuming you've you've gone to the police. What have the police said about this? Um, the there is an officer dealing with it. Um, he's interviewed one of the ladies that was on the interview earlier on. Um, and we've had um, a visit by some community officers to say um, he will be coming to see us this week. Um, and very much, again, like the RSPCA, if there's no proof, um, they can't do anything. However, people must know. Somebody must have seen these people doing what they're doing. And just to, and just to clarify the RSPCA, they're saying it could, it could be some, a, a king gardener. So, so, so someone could be putting this antifreeze out to protect their garden. Yes. To stop cats, to to encourage cats to eat it, because that's the, because the antifreeze is sweet. Cats will eat it, especially if it's put on top of food. Mm. 
or sprayed on so something. So it's, 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 so it's, in your opinion, this is deliberate? This is malicious. Julie, I really appreciate you coming on. I'm really sorry for, for your loss. The, the people who aren't cat owners won't get this, but, but I do totally, and I'm, I really feel for you. Thank you, Julie, for coming on. Thank you. There we go, Julie Rookley, talking about her cat, Diego. Well, we did speak to Hearts Police, who say they're deeply concerned about these incidents. They've uh, sent us a statement. We can confirm that police are investigating a number of incidents where cats have been killed in Berkhamsted. In two instances, we believe the cats may have been poisoned by drinking antifreeze. We are concerned about these reports and are conducting an investigation into these incidents. We would urge anyone with information to contact us on 101. Well, if you want to talk to me about that, you can this morning. 08459 455555. 6.45 now, here's the travel news with Adam Glynn. and Bucks Travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Speed tents are still picking up a fair bit of traffic along the A1000 in Hatfield. Going southbound between Southway and Shepherd's Way, it's looking like there's a bit of a queue building. Problems now on the M1 northbound. There's one lane closed, a broken down vehicle between Dunstable at Junction 11 and Flittick at Junction 12. It is the inside lane that's closed off, but traffic's moving fine past there. The northbound M40 still has one lane closed. A two-lorry accident between Oxford and Bicester, Junction 8 a and 9, but again, traffic's getting past that all right for the time being. If you're heading down toward London, public transport's not looking ideal this morning. The London Overground has been suspended between Wilsdon Junction and Clapham Junction because of a broken down train. Bakerloo Line tube suspended between Paddington and Harrow and Wealdstone. That's a fire alert at Queen's Park. The Northern Line Old Street Station is still closed and the Piccadilly Line completely suspended between Hammersmith and King's Cross. Minor delays on the rest of the line. Trespasser on the track at Hyde Park Corner causing the problems there. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. Morning at 6.46, it's Thursday, the 18th of April. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. The BBC understands the Police and Crime Commissioner for Hertfordshire is breaking away from his counterparts in Bedfordshire over the provision of backroom staff. A petition supporting plans for a mental health clinic in Hitchin has been submitted to North Hertfordshire District Council. In sport, Sir Chris Hoy is expected to confirm his retirement today, ending a 13-year career comprising 11 world titles and two Commonwealth crowns. Before seven, David Lloyd, the Police and Crime Commissioner for Hertfordshire, said he thinks you should intervene more when you witness crimes being committed. What would you do if you saw a crime being committed? Our reporter Justin Dealey has been finding out... Let's get the weather now with Elizabeth. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Oh, hello. Well, it's a very windy start to the day across the three counties. We are going to see a good few showers develop as well, blowing in on that southwesterly breeze. Locally, some of them could be quite heavy, but it is a fairly bright start to the morning. Uh, we've got some sunny spells out there, so it's not a bad-looking start. Just do be prepared for a little bit of wet weather if you're headed outside your door today, as I suspect most of us are. Some of them, uh, some of these showers could locally be quite heavy, as I said. Even a rumble or two or thunder, always possible. Now, yesterday, we were in some very warm air. Today the air's not quite as mild I'm afraid so um, a much cooler, fresher feel to things. Temperatures only up to between around 12 and 13 degrees Celsius in Milton Keynes, Bedford and in um, and in Hitchin too. That's uh, that's 55 in Fahrenheit so we've lost a good few degrees on what we saw yesterday. There will be a little bit more in the way of cloud I suspect as well as we head through the late afternoon. The showers rumbling on too but eventually fading away into the evening. A cooler night tonight than we saw last night. Temperatures dropping to between around 6 and 
seven degrees Celsius, I think, locally. And then as we head into tomorrow morning, some more showery rain coming our way, I'm afraid. So it is going to be a rather wet, cloudy start to the day. That should soon clear. Much lighter winds tomorrow, but a northerly wind, so it's going to feel a touch cooler. Temperatures only to 11 or 12 degrees Celsius. It's around average, really, for the time of year. And that's where the temperatures will stay for the end of the week, too. A very cold night, frosty night, too. Gardeners beware on Friday and on Saturday night. But the weekend is looking dry and fine with some good spells of sunshine around as well. That's the forecast. Thank you very much. Saturdays at two o'clock can only mean one thing. Three County Sports. Three County Sports. And this Saturday, it's another extended programme. Round the wall, it takes a deflection and goes in. With live commentary on Watford versus Blackburn, MK Dons at home to Scunthorpe, Stevenage away to Swindon, Gloucester against Saracens, and Bedford's trip to Moseley from three. Plus regular updates on Barnet versus Wickham. Wickham. Then from 5.15, it's all eyes on the conference as Luton travel to Southport. Great in at the near post. It's a great strike from Andre Gray. Three Counties Sport, Saturday from 2 on BBC Three Counties Radio. Three Counties Radio. Well, we've been talking about the uh, spate. I think we can call it spate. There may be as many as 15 or 20 cat killings in Berkhamsted. Well, Trevor's from Stevenage. Good morning, Trevor. Morning, Ian. Trevor, you, something similar is happening in Stevenage, is it? Yeah, it was a while back. Yeah, same thing. Someone was injecting cats with antifreeze, but now they've moved on to dogs. But Sorry, did you say injecting? Yeah, apparently they're injecting. Yeah, it's like calling them over and then injecting them with antifreeze. That's um, that's quite simply one of the most horrific things I've heard in a long time. That's horrible. Yeah. But they've actually moved on to dogs now, but um, obviously they can't get hold of them to inject them because they're normally on the end of a lead. Yeah. So they've been uh, lacing bread and leaving it on the edge of the footpaths. Oh, dear. So obviously the dogs are going to have a route around when they're walking along the path, and they eat it, and before you know it, that's it. Trevor, what, can, can, have you had any idea why anybody would want to do this? No, nah, it's just someone who's a bit twisted, I think. And have, have any of your friends been, their pets been affected by this? Uh, n- not, not close friends, but we do know people like that have, uh, down the school where our children go that have had their pets have been taken ill. And the, the vets have said the same thing, it's antifreeze. Trevor, uh, thank you for that, I'm, I'm incredulous. They've been injecting cats in Stevenage. Well, if you know about this, could you give us a call? 08459 455 555. My team here is all shocked. We're all shocked. We're all living in this lovely little, you know, safe media world where things like this don't happen. There are idiots out there injecting cats with antifreeze, dipping bread in antifreeze so dogs eat it. Well, if you live in Stevenage and you've heard about this or anywhere else in the three counties, 08459 455 
is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, it's a story that's been getting a lot of attention in the press over the last 24 hours. David Lloyd, the Police and Crime Commissioner for Hertfordshire, said he thinks you should intervene more when you witness crimes being committed. He said a fall in citizens' arrests left society at risk and added too many people failed to intervene because they thought it was only the job of the police. Well, our uh, vigilante correspondent Justin Daly has been finding out what you think about this. I would suggest, Justin, it's not because people think it's the job of the police, mm. it's because people are scared of getting a kicking. Absolutely. I think, you know, a few years ago, Ian, I think I would have stepped in. Now, I would certainly think twice about it, and I'm just being perfectly honest. You don't know what people are carrying, and at the end of the day, it's not really my business to get involved. So, I think certainly my mind has changed over the last few years. I've been asking people, would they step in if they saw a crime taking place? And this is what people had to say. Okay, so if you saw a crime taking place, would you get involved? Would you intervene? Not anymore. I wouldn't know. Those 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 days are gone now. You know, it's it's too it's too dangerous out there. You don't you don't know the frame of mind of anybody who's in trouble of you know the situation. So no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't get involved. Okay. Have uh, you intervened in the past? Then? Yes, I have intervened in the past, and it's always it always slaps you in the face. Once you intervene, you seem to be the victim. Then you seem to be the bully. So, so when you did intervene, what happened? I intervened, and it's sort of like this girl was getting pushed around by it looks looks like her boyfriend or or, or someone. I intervened, and as soon as the girl realised that I was I was helping and um, dealing with the the boyfriend, she turned on me and started um, verbally abusing me. So I just I just walked away, left them to it. Sir, would you intervene if you saw a crime taking place? Yeah, it depends. If they have a weapon, if they haven't got a weapon, and the circumstances. So I presume that you have stepped in in the past. Um, if so, what happened? Yeah, a woman's getting attacked on the bus upstairs. I don't know if they wanted her purse or whatever they wanted. But because she was getting attacked, I went upstairs. It was in London as it goes on a red bus. I stepped in, the kids got violent, started to smash the bus up. But I still intervened, dragged the couple off, grabbed hold of one and kept him there till the police came. And the police dealt with him. If you hadn't have got involved, would you have felt guilty for, for not doing so? I felt guilty because I, I, I thought I could handle that situation. But in certain situations, I have been there before when I thought not get involved and I just called the police because I think they did have weapons or they were just like... I knew they could overpower me because they were just too many of them were too big, you know. So it, it always depends on the situation. You got to weigh, you have to weigh up the situation because sometimes you can handle it, sometimes you can't handle it. Eileen, if you saw a crime taking place here in the next five minutes, would you intervene? No, personally, not at all. I'd just use mobile phone and ring nine 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 for assistance. Um, locally, we have neighbourhood watch that we have able to log calls with, but personally, not at all. So you wouldn't intervene, is that because obviously you've got the Crime Stoppers back up, but also I presume you think it's just too dangerous now, guys? Absolutely, without a doubt. You, you don't know what the reaction's going to be from the person that's been the victim or the people, the perpetrators as such. I've stepped in a couple of times, Justin, low-level things. I saw some yobs trying to smash up a bus stop and I told them to jog on in no uncertain terms. <laughs> yeah. And uh, there was some young lads trying to break into a, a, a lock-up garage near me. And um, I just turned on, it was very late at night, and I just turned all the lights on in my house and went and stood in the street uh, and pretended I was calling the police and they saw me and they ran off. But that's, right. that's about as much as I would do. Yeah, I mean, there, there was an incident a couple of weeks
weeks ago where I nearly stepped in. There was a bit of a row in a pub and I thought, well, it's, it's none of my business. You know, somebody could put a glass in my face. I'm going to be scarred for, for life. Don't it, want to scar that gorgeous face, Justin. <laughs> but it does make you think twice. And interesting enough there, that the first man we spoke to said, yes, I did step in and I got abused for doing so. How many other people listening right now have taken the time oh. and effort to step in and they have been abused for, for trying to help somebody out at the end of the day? Never get when you see a couple fighting never get involved because i've i've seen this happen the the girl you think you're stepping in to defend the girl yep. she turns on you i've exactly seen it happen what he said yeah yep. exactly that justin thank you very much indeed we'll speak to you uh, a little bit later on well what have you done have you seen uh, something happening in the street you've seen someone breaking into someone's house you've seen a fight an argument a mugging have you stepped in or did you walk on by oh eight four five nine four double five five double five right let's get the travel news now here's adam glynn Hearts and Bucks Travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. The northbound M40 still has a lane closed, an accident with two lorries involved between Oxford and Bicester, so that's Junction 8A and Junction 9. It's lane one, the inside lane that's shut at present. Three lanes stretch through there, so traffic's getting past OK. Northbound M1 has a lane closed, a broken down vehicle between Dunstable and Flittick, junctions 11 and 12. Anti-clockwise M25 already starting to look slow from the M40 to the M4, that's junction 16 to 15. If you're heading toward London by train this morning, the London Overground is suspended between Wilson Junction and Clapham Junction because of a broken down train. Uh, we've got reports of a fire alert at Queen's Park. That means service suspended on the Bakerloo line between Paddington and Harrow and Wealdstone. Piccadilly line, they're now running along the whole route again, but it's with severe delays after a trespasser earlier at Hyde Park Corner. An old street station in London has now reopened after staff shortages. That's the tubes. Generally, the trains, thankfully, are looking reasonably good. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. Right, coming up in the next hour, more on cat killings in the three counties. Well, if you saw someone committing a crime in the street, would you get involved? 08459 455 555. Here's Catherine with the news. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. It's seven o'clock. The headlines. Police staffing negotiations break down. Hitchin residents petition for mental health clinic and reports of cat poisonings in Berkhamsted. BBC Three Counties Radio. Negotiations between police and crime commissioners of Bedfordshire, Hertfordshire and Cambridgeshire over provision of back office services have failed. The Hertfordshire force has decided to go its own way and look elsewhere for supply of services such as IT and human resources, the BBC understands. Our political reporter Paul Scoynes has the details. The three PCs had originally planned to sign a deal with the private provider G4S, but Bedfordshire's Labour Commissioner Ollie Martins rejected it. This latest development sees Hertfordshire's Tory PCC David Lloyd go it alone. We understand he's considering the county council as a potential provider, leaving the Bedfordshire and Conservative commissioners to work together to find a solution. It's unclear where this leaves the relationship between the forces, as the three had been committed to a strategic alliance to save money in the back office, though Hertfordshire's Breaking away from this appears to have ended that. Four men who admitted discussing bombing Luton ter- Luton's Territorial Army Centre are due to be sentenced later. 31-year-old Zahid Iqbal, 25-year-old Mohammed Shafaraz Ahmed, 24-year-old Umar Arshad and 22-year-old Saeed Farhan Hussein are all from Luton. Last month they pleaded guilty to engaging in conduct in preparation for acts of terrorism. 
A number of people have died and more than 100 have been injured, many of them seriously, in a huge explosion at a fertiliser plant in the American state of Texas. Fire crews are tackling a fire at the plant in the town of West near Waco when a tank of ammonia blew up. Officials say it caused extensive damage to more than 70 homes, an apartment block, a school and a nursing home. A petition supporting plans for a mental health clinic in Hitchin has been submitted to North Hertfordshire District Council. More than 100 people have backed a proposal for the clinic despite some local objections. Permission could be granted for the facility at a meeting tonight. Katie Stocker lives nearby. There's always a worry about that, isn't there? I mean, yeah, there is always a worry, but I know mental health is it's very evocative and people, I think the worry is people don't know enough about it. So, you know, getting it out there is a good thing, but just what level will it be? Neighbours in Berkhamsted say they fear for the safety of their cats after a spate of fatal poisonings. Up to 10 cats have been found dead in the last five months. Chelsea Rookley's pet was among them after apparently drinking antifreeze. She says people need to report it. I don't think that people have reported them to the police and I think this is what the problem is, is whoever's doing this is getting away with it on the basis that people just think that it's an accident and it's just like, how can three cats accidentally all die in a weekend? In sport, Manchester United's lead at the top of the Premier League table has been cut to 13 points after they drew two all at West Ham and Manchester City beat Wigan 1-0 last night. The weather clouded with scattered showers and a top temperature of 14 degrees Celsius, that's 57 Fahrenheit. There's more news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. BBC Three Counties Radio, first for news. This is Ian Lee. What on earth is going on today? This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Just gone seven o'clock. Thursday the 18th of April. My goodness, it's nearly May. Lots coming up between now and eight o'clock, including... We'll hear why negotiations between police and crime commissioners of Bedfordshire, Hertfordshire and Cambridgeshire have broken down and what that might mean for you. Plans are being submitted for a mental health clinic in Hitchin. There's a petition in favour of the facility... But would you want one near you? And what would you do if you suspected that cats where you live were being poisoned? We'll hear why pet owners in Berkhamsted are so worried about theirs. If you live in the area and you've spotted this, or if you live anywhere in the three counties and you're aware of cats being poisoned, could you give me a call? 08459 455 555. You can also go to facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, you may remember on this programme, we told you that the police and crime commissioners of Bedfordshire, Hertfordshire and Cambridgeshire were hoping to work together over the provision of back office services. Well, negotiations have failed. The Hertfordshire force has decided to go its own way and look elsewhere for supply of services such as IT and human resources. Political reporter Paul Scoynes is following this story. Paul, can you explain more about the background to this? Yeah, that's right, Ian. I mean, what we had before was that uh, Hertfordshire, Bedfordshire and Cambridgeshire forces, the PCCs, yeah, this is even before they became PCCs, actually, the police authorities were looking to share services in the back office. So this isn't stuff necessarily that the public would be aware of. This is like the payroll, uh, some of the HR functions, the, the, the sort of the nuts and bolts of, of what gets police officers their salaries, those kind of things. Not always done by police officers, I've got to say often done by civilians. So the thought was initially, uh, from certainly the Conservative PCCs, was that they would try and potentially use a, an outside partner. 
G4S was mentioned. Now, when Ollie Martins, the Bedfordshire PCC, ran for office, he ran on a ticket saying that he wouldn't like to uh, use G4S. Of course, there had been that scandal during the Summer Olympics about how they managed the security there, and uh, and, and that had obviously drawn a lot of negative publicity. He, he campaigned specifically on that. So when he got in power, there was this sort of on-pass, if you like, this, this difficult sort of position which they couldn't get past. And it was at that stage that David Lloyd suggested, well, I might even go it alone. And it looks now, on the face of things, that he might just have done that. And is that the reason negotiations would have failed? Because Ollie Martins had, had pretty much committed himself to not going with G4S? Well, that was certainly the reason why they didn't go with that particular company. Uh, there was then suggestion that they might use another one. Hertfordshire's PCC David Lloyd, though, was was making it pretty clear that he might still use that, and 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 he, you know, that he hadn't ruled out at the point that he had going uh, that he would potentially go it alone. What we understand now through some sources, uh, which, which have been uh, talking with BBC's Look East, is that that he may even start to consider using the county council as a provider and of course he is also a county councillor and, and he's standing again for election soon so we're, we're still very much unsure about what that might mean for all three forces of course Bedfordshire's budget was very much geared towards doing uh, a lot of, of partnership working um, because it needs to save a lot of money and it's in a, a bit of a financial strait so Hertfordshire was certainly looking to make some savings there as were the other two forces and, it, and, and now it seems that Hertfordshire have decided to make the, the the move to do something on their own. Have we had any word from uh, Ollie Martins yet is, uh, about this? I have uh, sent him some messages and, and, and I've sent him a tweet this morning trying to see if he would uh, just give me his reaction to this. I've, I've asked as well uh, the, the Hertfordshire PCC to, to respond to this uh, uh, this story as well and we've not heard anything from them. I've got my colleagues at Radio Cambridgeshire doing the same with their PCC. So between us, we're trying to find out what this means. It does seem that this came back uh, from our source very late last night, so we're, we're still trying to piece this together. Paul Scoynes, thank you very much indeed. Well, meanwhile... In a lecture at the University of Hertfordshire Hearts PCC, David Lloyd said he felt that too many people failed to intervene because they think it's only the job of the police. Well, Norman Brennan is a retired officer and leading campaigner on law and order issues. Joins me now. Good morning, Norman. Yeah, good morning, Ian. What do you think of David Lloyd's comments? Well, I can understand what he's saying, but um, he's not right, not in this day and age. Um, unless you're physically able to intervene, and not many of us are, the best thing to do is not just walk on by. I'm not saying just don't turn a blind eye, but um, actually use your mobile phone and phone the police. It, it's not really your job to physically intervene unless you're physically able to, and as I said, not a lot of people are. Well, in the, the, the lecture that David Lloyd gave, he, he, he mentioned Gary Newlove, of course, was the, the gentleman a few years ago, I guess now, who um, uh, did some yobs were vandalising his car. He went out and he got murdered. Uh, and David Lloyd says that that's not, that should not be seen as a reason not to intervene. But, but people are afraid. We don't know. At the, at the very least, they're po- people are possibly carrying knives these days, possibly worse, aren't they? is exactly the reason why people shouldn't intervene. I don't really know who these police crime commissioners are. I've never really been a great lover of them. Um, They've been implemented on huge salaries. Many of them haven't got much of a clue about law and order. Uh, Fortunately, people like me have. It was my job, and I've maintained it as my job as a 
what, 35 years now, and uh, I've actually intervened a few times, and I recall once when I was off duty as a police officer with uh, three friends in an Indian restaurant in Twickenham, and I saw a fight of about seven or eight men across the road, and I phoned for some backup, and they said, excuse me, and I said, uh, we're caught up at Hammersmith Bridge, which is about seven miles away, there's no one to back you up. And do you know what? I didn't get involved. Uh, there was no females involved, there was no children or vulnerable person involved, because the thing was, if I'd gone over there with two or three of my friends, they would never remember me being police officer, they never ever do, they'd turn up at court in a smart suit saying, we're having a bit of a row, three blokes come along, uh, we thought they were threatening, so we punched the living daylights out of them. And that's exactly what happens in society, is that I'm afraid, you know, we've got some areas that are quite lawlessness, and some people will take, we won't think twice about pulling a gun, pulling a knife, many are under the influence of drink or alcohol, and as worthy as a, you know, citizen sort of thing to do, to actually intervene, unless you're physically able to, or unless there are a number of you that can actually start saying, look guys, let's behave yourselves, calm down, they might look and see that there's several people, and then perhaps desist in what they're doing, use your phone, don't get involved. David Lloyd said that a fall in citizens' arrests left society at risk. I've not heard the phrase citizens' arrest for a long time. I can't imagine any, anyone who has a citizens' arrest placed on them respecting that. Does anyone get taken into the police under a citizens' arrest? I rarely ever recall it uh, at all. And sometimes when the public had got involved, I've actually listened to police officers saying, why did they intervene? And also police officers that have made off-duty arrests why did he intervene? And I'm ashamed to tell you to a certain degree that I speak to police officers all of the time, serving and non-serving, and a number of police officers have said, Norm, if I see something going on, so long as, as you rightly say, there's no vulnerable pe people, it's just not worth getting involved. And it's really this bad, and pe police crime commissioners should be a bit more responsible in what they're saying. What they should be saying is, is look out for your neighbours. You know, if you see something that's wrong, if you see a crime that's being commit, committed, make a phone call, phone 999 or the appropriate number straight away. Use your mobile phone to take photographs. There is a lot of CCCTV, so don't put yourselves at unnecessary risks. Make that phone call, I'm not saying ignore it, make the phone call, but get involved physically. Again, if you're able to, or there's a number of you that are able to assist to actually restrain the individual, then don't get involved physically, but don't walk on by. That's what the Police Crime Commissioner should really be telling you. Do you think that, that David Lloyd has been irresponsible by suggesting people intervene if they see something happening? I don't really know whether it's irresponsible. He's trying to say the right thing. There's too many people that are trying to say the right things, but in reality, I've dealt with a number of cases where, for example, um, an individual has told somebody not to put their... Uh, feet on a tube train seat and he's been GBH'd and left very very seriously injured and I remember t turning up with my team there were four detectives we all turned up at the scene after uh, uniform turned up in London and um, I thought the only thing that that person asked somebody else to do politely was please could you move your seat off your feet off the seat other people have got to sit there and if you can get GBH'd the most innocuous of requests then I think that probably answers the type of question of the injuries that you may receive should you get involved and be out of your depth. So don't walk on by, don't give up, I don't agree that people should just ignore things 
and I tell them, I said, look, that's not the right attitude. I said, at least, you know, make a phone call. And that's what you should do. Make a phone call, use your mobile phones, and if there are a number of you, get together and say, look, guys, you really must stop fighting or doing something like this. But getting involved yourself, you won't be thanked by the police, you won't be supported by the courts, and you will no doubt be seriously injured uh, if, of course, you put yourself at harm's risk. Norman Brennan, appreciate your time. Retired police officer, leading campaigner on law and order issues, disagrees very strongly with... uh David Lloyd's uh, suggestion that you should intervene. On facebook.com forward slash bbc3cr, you've been commenting on this. Neil said, David Lloyd seems to be in his own slightly crazy world. Lorraine says, it's too dangerous to intervene these days, sadly. And Colin says, I would intervene defensively only. I would do what I could do, I would do what I could to protect the victim by making the attacker focus on me. Hmm? That has worked in the past, even against a gang. An attacker has to block the thoughts that empathise with their victims. Get through that and respect usually works. And you can start them thinking again. In the past, I have only needed to use words. Well, Colin, you're obviously doing some kind of Darren Brown. Darren Brown um, posted recently, didn't he? He got mugged and um, he kind of like freaked them out. But he said something like he was getting mugged and someone was going to beat him up. And he said, yeah, the walls in Spain are really small, aren't they? I was like, what? Yeah, those Spanish walls are tiny, aren't they? And just went off on a complete tangent. And in the end, I think the bloke bought him a drink or something like that. Have you intervened? Have you seen a crime happening? You've seen a fight in the street? You've seen a couple having a fight, a group of lads having a punch-up? Have you intervened? 08459 455 555. 715. Here's the Travel News Now with Adam Glynn. Hearts and Bucks Travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. The northbound M40, you'll still find one lane closed off between Oxford and Bicester, junction 8A and 9. A two-lorry accident happened along there earlier this morning. So lane 1 is closed off, but traffic's getting past without too much of a problem. Northbound M1, now that's got a lane closed as well. A broken-down vehicle between Dunstable and Flittick, junctions 11 and 12. But again, traffic's looking like it's getting past without too much of a problem. On the M25, as you come from Essex into Hertfordshire, there's one lane closed off. An accident between Waltham Abbey at junction 26 and Enfield at junction 25. The outside lane is blocked in the Holmesdale Tunnel. That's causing congestion back to the M11. Anti-clockwise further around, it's slow from the M40 to the M4. Trains across the three counties running fine, but as you get into London, there are problems for the overground. It's suspended between Wilston Junction and Clapham Junction, and now Wilston Junction and Euston because of two separate problems. The Bakerloo line tube suspended between Paddington and Harrow and Wilston, and the Piccadilly line running with severe delays. Adam Glenn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. All right, 7.16, it's Thursday the 18th of April. I'm Ian Lee, and these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. The BBC understands that negotiations between police and crime commissioners of Bedfordshire, Hertfordshire and Cambridgeshire over provision of back office services have failed. Four men who admitted discussing bombing Luton's Territorial Army Centre are due to be sentenced later on. And in rugby, Saracens are set to sign Nottingham centre Tim Strether. His club's announced he'll be leaving at the end of the season. The weather today for beds, hearts and bucks. Cloudy with scattered showers and a top temperature of 14 degrees. Coming up before 7.30, plans are being submitted for a mental health clinic in Hitchin. Well, there's a petition in favour of the facility. Would you want one near you? 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
Every weekday morning from nine. The JVS Show. With the biggest questions. Today on the big phone-in, I'm asking, would you support some dog breeds being removed from this country? Should traffic wardens be more lenient? Would the government be right to drop the minimum price for alcohol? And the biggest opinions. I think the tax is completely unfair. It doesn't matter how old they are or how young they are. They're still your children. It doesn't matter whether it's male or female or what. I'm disgusted with the people that... You should have cut them people off. The JVS Show. Weekdays from 9 on BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, we've often told you uh, about plans for new mental health facilities in the Three Counties, but it's rare that petitions are put forward backing the proposals. Well, that's exactly what's happened in Hitchin. More than 100 people have signed a petition backing a plan to convert a disused shop into a clinic for people with mental health problems. Permission is likely to be granted for the facility at a meeting tonight. However, not everyone is happy. Our reporter, Ewan Duncan, spoke to an anxious local resident who wished to remain anonymous. This is a totally inappropriate area for such a mental health facility. The biggest concern I have as a victim myself around 20 years ago of an attack by somebody who's suffering from schizophrenia is the safety issue. Obviously, people who are maybe not taking the medication or maybe suffering withdrawal or side effects of medication and such people, much as we all very much are sensitive to uh, the need to look after such people. And I also have people like that in my family, specifically in Ireland, who suffer from schizophrenia, so I'm very sensitive to their needs and uh, the care, the social care they, they, they require. But the biggest concern is that this is a residential area and with the best will of the world, it only takes a few people, something to go wrong, and we've all got young children, some of us have got young children, the biggest concern we have is that there may be something happens, as happened to me 20 years ago, where I had a chap when I was managing a, a bike store in London who came into the shop with a can of petrol to burn the place down, totally unprovoked, no logic whatever. It was impossible for me to get the guy sectioned, and he kept coming back in again and again. He plastered wallpaper all over the outside of the store. Three months later, he ran at me off the curb when I was cycling by, forcing me in, in front of an oncoming car, and you can imagine the repercussions of that. So I'm particularly keen on the safety issue, and I just feel that this location is not suitable for a mental health care facility. There do seem to be other locations in the vicinity which are better suited and obviously don't put residents and their children at risk. Are the residents concerned about the various alcoves and nooks and crannies in the layout of these flats? Absolutely. This is a quite a, a large complex. There are lots of dark alleys, recesses and nooks and crannies where people who are obviously suffering from a horrible condition, mental illness is a very, very difficult condition to treat. We understand there's lots of areas where scientific understanding is still developing, but the concern is that some of these people will not be taking their medication or not taking it sufficiently or may be suffering from withdrawal or side effects of the medication and such people may well be hallucinating if they're schizophrenic or have other possibly more psychotic or aggressive behavioural tendencies and may well, as happened to me, put other people, residents and visitors at risk. There is some concern as well about the valuation of properties if the development goes ahead. Yeah, I, I was at a meeting uh, very, very recently and I heard figures bandied around where obviously there'd be a significant, as much as a quarter, drop in valuation of the properties and obviously a significant effect on the rentability 
of property around here, which obviously will affect the economy for those people who depend on on the, the revenue from this area. So there's lots of other economic aspects as well. But I think the biggest issue for most of the residents that live here is the safety aspect. Well, we can speak now to Monique Blackham, who started the petition supporting the plans. Good morning, Monique. Good morning, how are you? Yeah, I'm fine, thank you. Why does this matter to you? Why is it so important? Um, Well, it's from a personal and professional point of view. Um, I work as a support worker, and over the years I've worked with people with varying mental health disabilities, um, illnesses. Um, And also, from a personal point of view, um, I've dealt with varying mental illness within within my family and dealt with it myself. I've suffered with post-traumatic stress disorder and depression. So you've got a, a first-hand experience of, of how um, mental health issues can affect people. Uh, d- can you understand um, the, the people who live next door to this place and near this place, why they might be so reluctant to have it there? Um, at a public meeting on the 16th that I attended, um, I can sympathise with perhaps access issues to the building for some residents. Um, but I don't believe that, you know, everybody with a mental health illness is of risk to people's safety. I mean, it's, I'm very sorry for that, uh, a man who was just on commenting for his experience um, from what I can remember he said it was 20 years ago Mm. Um, I do believe that um, facilities and support for people suffering various mental health issues has changed since 20 years ago Um, and I'd like to think it's a lot better dealt with nowadays Monique how close do you live to to, um, the, the site? Um, I'm not that far away at all, really. Um, I'm sort of... You have the courthouse near Cooper's Yard, and I'm just the other side of the Baptist Church, so it's not actually that far away. But you don't live immediately next to it, do you, in its immediate no, vicinity? No, no I don't. D- there might be some people who would, would say, well, hang on a second, th- that's not fair that you're starting a petition. If you don't live there, if you won't face the immediate uh, effects and problems that this, this centre may cause... What right do you have? Um, I've started this position because um, I know the residents don't think it's appropriate for their their um, residence area, but I, I'd live above next door to a mental health facility. But you, but do you don't, do you? And that's the, I think no, that's I the, the situation that the, these people will live next door to yeah. it and, and, and perhaps they, they do have a right, rightly or wrongly, mm. to have more of a say in it th- than you do. Um, I'd just like to open their eyes to how important it is to have a facility like that in the community that's uh, appropriate and up-to-date for the service users' needs. Um, I really can't stress enough how much I believe that there, there isn't a danger to people's safety there. I believe there's more of a danger to people's safety living in the middle of the town, um, living behind, uh, you know, huge pubs. Um, I worked at the off-licence that uh, they live behind, and oh, I don't know how many years ago now, I think it was about seven years ago now, I got held up at gunpoint there. Um, you can be anywhere within the community 
um, and be in more danger than you would be with mental health facilities. How, how many signatures has the uh, petition received so far? Um, at last look, it was 119 signatures, and we've had amazingly positive comments attached to those signatures as well. 119 doesn't, doesn't sound a lot, though, does it? No, but it's about opening people's eyes mm. to, you know, the stigma attached to mental health illness at the moment, which is just shocking and out-of-date medieval point of view. Um you know, people with a mental health illness aren't dangerous. Can I read you an email we've had from yes. ben, ben from Bucks? Uh, and I don't know how genuine this is. This email just comes to us. I have to take it on face value. Okay. Ben says, as somebody with mental health problems, I can see why people wouldn't want a clinic near them. But most of the time, people with mental health problems are misunderstood. We can be lovely people, as I'm the nicest man you could ever meet. But at times, I can get violent, which I don't mean to be, but something just triggers my brain to react like that. Um, I think the people using using this facility um, will be monitored and checked on very well. Um, a lot of their work at the facility will be out in the community, so it will be within people's homes. Um, and they're not going to be bringing in people if they think they're going to be of risk to the community. Um, how likely is it that the proposals will be approved tonight? <laughs> you have as good an idea as I do. It's it's down to the council at the end of the day whether they... Um, Are you feeling confident? I am. I am. I, I believe in, you know, people, and I believe that not everybody out there judges mental illness um, as quite as outdated as some others do. Monique, thank you very much indeed. That's Monique Blackham, who's uh, started the petition supporting the plans uh, for the uh, health mental health centre in uh, Hitchin. Oh, wait, 459 455 555. I should just finish off Ben's uh, email. He does say that uh, his medication, by taking his medication, he's got better, um, which I think is an important uh, little thing to add there. Oh, eight four five nine four double five five double five. 455 What do you think? Would you... Monique would be quite happy to live above, next door, behind to a mental health clinic. Would, would you? I thought the gentleman speaking to you and was very honest when he said, well, yeah, I'm partly worried because of, you know, what might happen physically, but also my, my property's going to, the price is going to decrease by as much as a quarter. Is that really the main, pro- is that the, the, the main worry that people have, that the, the property price is going to devalue itself? 08459 455 555, facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. Would you be happy if a facility like this was opened up in your street? Right, let's get the travel news now. Here's Adam Glynn. Hearts and Bucks Travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Anti-clockwise M25 as you come from Essex through into Hertfordshire. Still got a lane closed in the Holmesdale Tunnel because of an accident. And that's causing congestion back to the M11. It's the outside lane that's blocked in the tunnel at present and traffic's queuing in the area. Anti-clockwise once you get round to Junction 16 at the M40. It gets busy again from there through to the M4. Northbound M1. Now you've got a lane closed, a broken down vehicle which is now being recovered thankfully between Dunstable and Flittick. Junctions 11 and 12. Then on the M40... 
two lanes are closed northbound. It's heavy traffic now. There was an accident with two lorries involved quite early this morning between Oxford and Bicester. So they've had to close off the lane one and two now as well to deal with this. And it's starting to look very busy. In toward London, on the trains we've got no problems. Well, unless you get into the London itself, in which case we've got issues for the London Overground. Wilston Junction to Clapham Junction is suspended, as is Wilston Junction to Euston. And the Bakerloo line is suspended between Paddington and Harrow and Wealdstone. Plus severe delays for the Piccadilly line. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Adam, thank you very much indeed. If you saw a crime happening in the street, would you get involved? Or would you just walk on by? David Lloyd, the Police and Crime Commissioner for Hertfordshire, wants you to to intervene. Well, is that sensible advice? 08459 455 555. Here's the news now with Catherine Boyle. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. It's 7.30. The headlines. The BBC understands the Police and Crime Commissioner for Hertfordshire is breaking away from his counterparts in Bedfordshire and Cambridgeshire over the provision of backroom staff. He'll be talking to Ian Lee next. Four men who admitted discussing bombing Luton's Territorial Army Centre are due to be sentenced later. And a number of people have died and more than 100 have been injured, many of them seriously, in a huge explosion at a fertiliser plant in the American state of Texas. Beds, Hearts and Bucks Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. Manchester United's lead at the top of the Premier League table has been cut to 13 points after they drew two all at West Ham and Manchester City beat Wigan 1-0 last night. Robin van Persie secured United's point with a goal that appeared to be offside. The Dutchman's strike wasn't the only controversial incident as Sir Alex Ferguson felt Andy Carroll should have been sent off for a first-half challenge on his goalkeeper, David De Gea. Was a red card. Absolutely no doubt with that. The referee didn't see that. I didn't see it to be a red card, I put it that way. I think I saw the incident, but choose not to give him a red card. Manchester City kept their hopes of retaining the Premier League title alive with a 1-0 win against Wigan and John Terry scored twice following a stunning David Luiz strike as Chelsea beat Fulham 3-0 to move above Arsenal into third place. In the conference, Luton Town play their final home match of the season tonight as they host Ebb's Fleet at Kenilworth Road. It's Luton's fourth home game in ten days with a trip to Southport to come on Saturday. But manager John still doesn't worry about tired footballers. I think we're all tired, you know, but try getting up sort of our past six every morning and going to work on a building site and coming home at eight o'clock every day of the week six days a week get tired doing that as well so Half six are lying. A full commentary on Luton versus Ebb's Fleet in three county sports tonight from seven o'clock. In rugby's championship, Bedford Blues beat Doncaster Knights 38-26 at Goldington Road last night. That result keeps Bedford's hopes of a playoff place alive, but means relegation for Doncaster. And it's been announced Saracens are set to sign Nottingham centre Tim Strether. His club's announced he'll be leaving at the end of the season. And that's your latest news and sport. More from me at eight o'clock. Across beds, hearts and bucks, this is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning. 08459 455 555. Cat owners in Berkhamsted are worried about their cats being poisoned. Apparently it's antifreeze that's killing them. Why do you think anyone would want to do that? Well, we'll hear from the people living in Westfield Road in about 15 minutes' time. But before that, you may remember on this programme, we told you that the police and crime commissioners of Bedfordshire, Hertfordshire and Cambridgeshire were hoping to work together over the provision of back office services. Well, we've been told that negotiations have failed. The Hertfordshire force has decided to go its own way and look elsewhere for a supply of services such as IT and human resources. 
It comes after we reported yesterday that David Lloyd, the Police and Crime Commissioner for Hertfordshire, said he thinks you should intervene more when you witness crimes being committed. David joins me now. Good morning, David. Morning, Ian. Why have negotiations failed? Well, I don't actually recognise that uh, that bit of failure, as you put it. Um, as you know, we're already working very closely with Beds and Cam- Cambridgeshire. We're going to continue doing that. To that extent, nothing has changed. So uh, the armed response unit, the roads policing, the dogs, all those things we're doing together so well, we continue to do so well together. What I've said, though, and uh, uh, what we uh, all agree on is that we should have the chance to have a look outside if we want to do things. Um, If I want to uh, test things through the market, for instance, I should be allowed to do that. Everyone's signed up to that. And if I find a good deal, others might well join me in that or they might not. So there's no failure here. There's no falling apart. All it is is giving a very steer um, direction to everyone about what we're doing. And actually, perhaps more importantly, this is a very internal thing. I mean, frankly, it doesn't matter to uh, the person on the high street in uh, Berkhamsted, mm. or indeed uh, in Bedford, I suspect, who's doing HR for their, uh, their, their particular constabulary. That's a very internally focused thing. So I'm surprised in some ways that it's so high up the agenda well, of news. Well, people, I think people are, uh, are interested in how the police forces run, and I think that that's part of the, 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 the thing the PCCs have brought into this, that we, 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 the police is a little bit more visible behind the scenes. But also, the, the, there are budgetary concerns as well, aren't there? Because the reason that the, the backroom staff in inverted commas, is, is being changed, is to save money, isn't it? Well, yes. I mean, there are two points you made there. Let's not let go whether or not people are concerned about how the back office is run. I think what people are really concerned about is where is crime at the moment? And as I've come in and said before, it's down massively, about 40% since I first started getting involved in, mm. in policing. Um, but yes, of course we've got to save money. Um, at its very worst, we've probably got to find about £70 million worth of savings out of £200 million, which is why I want to give some certainty to what we're doing to be able to say, I'm going out, I'm looking at the most effective and efficient way to run the police force, uh, and if others want to come in on that, I'm delighted. So, let's just clarify, uh, you're still working with Bedfordshire and Cambridgeshire on various things, but not on the uh, reallocation of backroom staff jobs? At the moment, what we're doing is we're working with Bedfordshire and Cambridgeshire on those things that we've already been uh, doing. We're going to make sure that those work even better. So we're going to work together on that. What we're not doing is saying that in future, all new things that we look at have to be looked at across the three uh, forces. That doesn't mean to say they can't be looked at across mm-hmm. the three forces, but I've got a model there which says uh, I'll have a look, I'll see whether or not the market can supply or whether or not um, we can work together with uh, perhaps a county council or another local uh, authority. We'll look closely at where we can work and if others want to join me in that, that's great. And actually at the same time, Cambridgeshire might be saying, we've got a great idea. I was chatting the other day, they've got some good ideas as well and uh, they might have a great idea which we join in on. But what I want to be able to do is to say there's certainty in what we're doing rather than uncertainty. One of the, the points between yourself and Ollie Martins that I know was, was perhaps slightly problematic was that you still kind of had in the back of your mind that G4S were a possibility and Ollie had, had been elected. One of his things had been, we won't use G4S. Are you still looking at G4S? I'm looking at uh, the market in its entirety, so I very carefully not said, no, I'm not looking at G- G4S, but I very carefully not said, yes, I am. I want to find out what's the most efficient and effective way of running our back office. Because people would be concerned about G4S, wouldn't they? Because of the fiasco over the Olympics indeed, and other things. In, indeed, there are people who have said uh, they don't like G4S, and clearly when I was uh, being elected, I was saying I'd have to look at what they offered. Um, I think it depends on what price they offer, doesn't it? Mm. But, along the price you've got to look at uh, how they can de- deliver on the contract and that's probably the most important part of it so i'd still look at that
that, and also you're looking at the county councillors possibly providing these services? Yeah, I mean, uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm looking at other organisations. If you look, for instance, at the county council, um, that's an organisation which is something like ten times the size of the police force. It is more likely that they're going to be able to find... Uh, scale offerings which allow us to save money um, than another smaller constabulary is able to. If we can bring it all together with other constabularies, better still. You're standing for election, aren't you? That's kind. Are you, are you voting? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, I'm impartial, of course, as you well know. <laughs> Could that be seen as giving the council preferential treatment? No, and I, I'm, I'm not going to go out, I'm not leading the, uh, the charge in where we, we do things. What I'm putting uh, preference to, and I'm doing this quite unashamedly, is to the taxpayers of Hertfordshire to make sure they get the most effective and efficient policing that they can. How does Ollie Martins feel about this? Because I know that they are, all of the forces are facing huge cuts, but he's, he's in particularly bad financial trouble. Is he concerned? Well, um, Ollie, of course, is in a slightly different place to where I am, uh, and uh, we will stay. Uh, very closely together and talking through things. You'll have to ask him directly if he's concerned. I'm not going to speak for him on that. Um, clearly it will have an impact on what he does as well. But I think actually it frees him up too because it allows him uh, to, to make decisions for what he wants to do and what he feels the style of policing needs to be in Bedfordshire for him. Now listen, you've been all over the press the last 24 hours because of your, your lecture you made the other day about the public intervening. I thought I was going to see you there, but they of course you've got to get up early in the morning, haven't you, Ian? I'm, I, I, you can't stay I'm, in, in the I'm in bed at half past sevens on a good night See, I'm, it's, I'm getting <laughs> those student old. days are past me i'm afraid oh my goodness. Uh, but uh, it's received a lot of attention how far do you think people should it go should intervene if they see a crime being committed well what i've said i mean uh, clearly people always take one line out of uh, out of a lecture but what i've said is this is about what sort of society do we want to be in and uh, what i think is uh, you know it, it, there are various levels of it you can volunteer for the uh, special constabulary. We've got some great special constables uh, mm. uh, across the county. Uh, that's at, at one level. You can get involved with a neighbourhood watch scheme. Um, you can even uh, uh, just get involved by, uh, if you're a newspaper, not taking ads which are fronts for prostitution. You know, at all different levels, you can get involved. And so I'm not just talking about people being have-a-go heroes. I don't think you should ever put your own safety at risk, and I underline that. But what I do think is you should get involved, because at the moment i fear there are far too many people mm. turning a blind eye to criminality and we can't have that because if everyone turns a blind eye to criminality society falls apart this is about what sort of place do we want to live you mentioned i think in in your lecture i've got this right gary new the gentleman of course yes, who was, was was murdered as he uh, attempted to stop some yobs uh, vandalizing his car and um, you said that we shouldn't use that as a reason not to intervene so are you saying if we see a fight or some argy-bargy or something in the street we should try and step in. I think that we should almost step in before that. I mean, there is clearly a point at which your own safety is at risk, and I am not saying that you should put your own safety at risk. But, uh, you know, early on when you're perhaps uh, in the pub or wherever, you might very well see people who are perhaps starting down that line, and you might well be able to intervene at that point. What would you say to them, though? Well, um, you know, I, I think it can just be a question of, you know, come on, it's getting a bit loud, isn't it? You know, what, what, what are you playing at? I mean, we've all got our ways of intervening. Mm. And if you're good at that sort of thing, you should do it. The point I'm making is that we should be on the side of, of, of the right, not on the side of the wrong. 
Have you ever intervened? Have you ever seen anything happening and you've, you've stepped in and yeah, had a word? Yeah, I mean, I, I, uh, I'm often out and about. I find, actually, if you smile at people and you say, go on, what's, what's happening here? People are very, very good. You know, people very, very often get, uh, for example, uh, worried about uh, what they see as gangs of youths. I see as young people. Yeah. And actually, when you get involved, it's quite often the case um, that, uh, that there isn't a problem at all. In fact, a fellow councillor of mine who's uh, in his mid-70s was saying the other day how someone had just thrown down some chip wrappers on the floor and he said, pick those up. And he was mm. a sort of, you know, 15-year-old lad. He said, oh, I'm dreadfully sorry. Of course I will. Put it straight in the bin. You know, you can intervene. Mm. We shouldn't get ourselves so worried about these things. And if we were more caring as a society, mm. we'd be able to do it more. Oh, I agree. We should be. We should be more caring. But you, can you understand why people... We've had people this morning phoning in saying they're scared. Even with the incident, we've, we did a, a phone in before out telling people to, would you intervene if you saw someone chuck some litter on the floor? People are scared, aren't they? I understand that, but this is about changing society. And what I'm saying is those people who are scared about intervening um, in, uh, in, in litter dropping have still got places that they can get involved. They can still do the neighbourhood watch part. They can still not buy the newspaper, which uh, has mm. advertisements in it for, for prostitution. They can still not take the uh, cigarettes which have been smuggled, and indeed can report that. Mm. There are all sorts of levels you can get involved. You use the phrase citizen's arrest. I've not heard that for years. Do people still make citizens' arrests? <laughs> well, they obviously do in Hertfordshire, but not as many as they did ten years ago. Mm. I mean, they're down about 85%, and I think that's a shame. Uh, people do. Um, I was on something on uh, Five Live last night, and uh, there there was a, a rugby player who had uh, evidently run about uh, 500 metres to be able to uh, tackle this person, bring them to the ground, um, uh, and uh, held them there until they uh, apprehended by the police, which I thought was a great story. Mm. Now, clearly, uh, I wouldn't expect a, a frail... 85 year old to do the same thing finally we've got a text uh from pat um it says david lloyd is a tory car carrying out tory policies as he start, uh, stated when he spoke to you last his political colleagues have said the same by wanting the public to intervene when a crime is being committed and we know the reason why the police are no longer a body we can trust or rely on to protect us the criminal justice service is a joke so let's bring back policing that tolerates no crime no matter how small and start with sacking all the pccs who've become the jobs for the boys brigade in political terms and use their wages to employ more police well when i'm on the doorstep i'd put it down as a possible rather than a definite supporter zero tolerance is what some people are, are calling for yeah. is that something you would I, th I think zero tolerance starts at home there's no point in saying, oh, all those out there can't do it. It starts at home. Mm. It starts with those small things that you do. So, uh, you know, the, the text is right in as much as a Tory. I'm a Tory. I've always said that. I haven't hidden away from that. But, actually, I don't think that uh, our uh, uh, criminal justice system is a joke. I think it works really well. But I think it can work better. You've, I think you did raise something very interesting. That those adverts in the back of the local newspapers that are for... Obviously, for escorts. Yes. That's always struck me as odd that, that they can be advertised freely in, in the back of those well, papers. It, it, no, no matter what your view on prostitution, it strikes me as odd that uh, you're allowed to have a front for mm. prostitution. And I don't think that uh, we, we should allow it. I think we should have a campaign against those newspapers, frankly. David Lloyd, lovely to see you as always. Thank Good you very much you for too. coming in. 08459 455 555. We are asking this morning, if, have you intervened? Have you seen something happening in the street and you've stepped in? Would you? Or would you be a little bit afraid to? And do you agree with David that we, we need to become a more caring society? 08459 455 555. Here's the travel news with Adam Glynn. Hearts 
and Bucks Travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Ian. The M25 causing a bit of a problem this morning as you head into Hertfordshire. There's a lane closed off in the Holmesdale Tunnel, so between Waltham Abbey and Enfield Junctions 26 and 25. It is slow back to the M11 with delays of about an hour. It's looking really slow. It's the outside lane blocked off in the tunnel. Queues now crawling back, Ooh, almost to Junction 28. So if anyone's just coming into the area and stuck in that once you get past it it is moving better it's slow though once you get to junction 18 at Chorley Wood and from there to the M4 usual stop start traffic clockwise looking busy as you go into the roadworks at the A1M we've still got problems on the M40 as well northbound there are two lanes closed because of an accident two lorries and it's between Oxford and Bicester junction 8A and 9 it's lanes 1 and 2 closed off and traffic is very heavy past there as a result of that they had only one lane closed off for a time there but now they've had to close a second it's all started to become a bit of a pinch point A5 through Markgate now that's heavy between Lynch Hill and the M1 at junction 9 and on the trains this morning we're not doing too badly unless you're heading for London Overground is suspended between Wilsdon and Clapham Junction and between Wilsdon Junction and Euston because of broken down train. Bakerloo Line is suspended between Paddington and Harrow and Wheelstone and the Piccadilly Line continues to run with severe delays. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. Well, it's 7.46 or thereabouts. It's Thursday, the 18th of April. I'm Ian Lee and these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Hertfordshire's Police and Crime Commissioner has told this programme he's considering commissioning the County Council to take on some of the constabulary's backroom duties. Four men who admitted discussing bombing Luton's Territorial Army Centre are due to be sentenced at Woolwich Ground Court later. In sport, in Rugby's Championship, Bedford Blues beat Doncaster Knights 38-26 at Goldington Road last night. Coming up, police are investigating a spate of cat killings in Berkhamsted. Several cats have been found dead around Westfield Road since November last year. We'll hear from the residents before eight. But now let's get the latest weather. Here's Elizabeth Rosini. Beds, hearts and bugs weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Hello, a very good morning to you. We've got some sunny spells around this morning, but it's certainly feeling very blustery indeed. A very strong southwesterly wind, and that wind's going to stay with us, only easing down into the late afternoon. Now, we're likely to see a good few showers. We've got some just edging in now to, uh, well, to parts of Warwickshire, actually. I don't think it's going to be too long before it will be, you know, with us, certainly over parts of Bedfordshire over the next couple of hours or so. So, um, some rather blustery showers locally. Some of these could be quite heavy in places as well. So, sunshine and showers for the rest of the day really um cooler than it was yesterday when we saw temperatures you know up to 18 degrees but today i think we'll be lucky to get 12s 13s that's uh, 55 in fahrenheit we're in some much fresher air now so in general yes if you're going outside then do be prepared for a bit of wet weather it's going to be windy and a lot cooler as well into this evening and overnight the showers will fade away some more showery rain though edging in to uh, dawn tomorrow so a bit of a wet start to the day tomorrow temperatures between six and eight degrees Celsius is slightly cooler tonight than it was last night. Tomorrow, there are much lighter winds, some showery rain, some cloud around for much of the morning. Sunny spells into the afternoon, though. And uh, Friday night into Saturday, gardeners beware. We're probably going to see a touch of frost. Temperatures locally dropping down to freezing or just above. And then Saturday and Sunday, dry, fine. Temperatures around average, really, for the time of year, 12 to 13 degrees. That's the forecast.
Nick Coffer's Weekend Kitchen. On Saturday lunchtime, we're taking the Weekend Kitchen to the streets of Luton. We'll be in St George's Square celebrating all things English with top local chef Phil Thompson. Nick Coffer's Weekend Kitchen. Among the delicious treats on the menu will be golden syrup pudding, pork wellington and a full English breakfast frittata. Come down, meet us all and try out all of the dishes. Nick Coffer's Weekend Kitchen. Live this Saturday from midday in St George's Square, Luton. On BBC Three Counties Radio. Did Coffer mention a golden syrup pudding? Oh, I can, oh imagine that now. Smothered in the combination of warm custard and vanilla ice cream. Yeah, I know. I, in a greasy spoon once, I ordered some apple pie with, uh, with custard and ice cream. And I went, yeah, okay. And then they came back. So, sorry, did you say custard and ice cream? Yeah, of course, totes. Totes, custard, ice cream on the top. The best. They kind of melt into each other. It was wonderful. So I'm hoping that uh, Nick um, makes me my very own golden syrup pudding. <laughs> okay, of course he won't. Although he's very generous with bringing in bits and pieces of food into uh, BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, police are investigating a spate of cat killings in Berkhamsted. Several cats have been found dead around Westfield Road since November last year. Our reporter, Sophie Solaria, has been to meet some of the owners. I get a phone call from my mum saying, Diego's really ill, we've had to take him to the vets. And I got there, and he was just, like, he'd lost all the colour from his eyes, and, and it just pretty much just made him stable. Mm. So that when he did go, like we could all be there, and he could know that, like he was loved, and we were, we were all there, and we all told him that we loved him and all fussed him. It was really peaceful the way that he went in the end. And um, like, before I know it, I was just cuddling him, and the vet was like, "He's already gone." He was your best friend. Yeah, I think he was probably more than a best friend. It was like I feel like I've lost a child. What do you think happened to Diego? They said it's antifreeze. This isn't the first case. Like, three died from antifreeze this weekend. My name's Anne, and I live in Chaucer Close. And there's someone round here poisoning cats. I look after a cat that lives opposite me when the lady goes away. And she said to me, I'm just taking Poppet to the vets. She's been sick, and she's off her food for two days. On Thursday morning, the lady next door to me came round. She'd had two cats poisoned. One had died on Wednesday evening and one the Friday before. So I then phoned Emma that lives opposite and told her and she said she phoned the vets and the vet said her cat was in a critical condition. He thought it was antifreeze as well. And then her cat died on the Saturday morning, never recovered. Then on the Saturday morning, I went down to the shop and there was a poster outside the shop saying that a cat was missing. So I phoned the number and I said to the lady, I'm sorry, don't know anything about your cat, but I know there's someone around here poisoning them. So she phoned me back later on and said, thank you for phoning we found our cat, it had been poisoned and it was lying under the hedge. And then I spoke to someone else and the person at number four, Chaucer Close, had found a cat that wasn't theirs, they don't know where it came from, dead on their doorstep. Why do you think this is happening? Obviously someone doesn't like cats because they can be a nuisance, they go in people's gardens and people don't like them, but you don't have to 
poisonous. Hi, my name's Katie Merrick, and from last November we've lost three kittens, Buzz, Rex and Slinky. Buzz Lightyear died in November last year. Just started going all, like, floppy and wouldn't eat or anything. And uh, we took him to the pets at home vets, and they said he'd been poisoned. Went in the morning to pick him up, and he hadn't made it through the night. And, and you were told it was through antifreeze? Yeah, the vet said it had to be antifreeze, because that's the only thing that could have killed him that quickly. So that was one of the first incidents on yeah. your road? Yeah. What happened next? In January, the police randomly turned up at my house asking them if I'd had a cat that had died because another four cats had been killed along the road with antifreeze. And then on Friday, I get a call from my partner saying that he's at the vets with Slinky, our youngest kitten at four months. And then another call saying that they've had to put him down because he had antifreeze poisoning. And then the next morning, we got up at eight o'clock in the morning thinking Rex was okay, went downstairs and his legs just kept separating. Had to take him to the vets and he got put down at quarter to nine in the morning and he was 13 months old. Sophie Solaria talking uh, to the owners of victims of the cat poisoner in Westfield Road in Berkhamsted. I, I, listen, I've said this many times before, I'm a cat person, but whatever kind of person you are, how on earth can anyone think that that's acceptable behaviour? It's just incredible. If it's happened to you, or uh, whether you're in Berkhamsted or anywhere in the three counties, 08459 455 555. I'm joined now by Claire Kennett from the RSPCA. Claire, when you hear stories like that, how does that make you feel? It makes me feel so angry and, and sad for the owners, but so angry that, you know, that somebody's actually out there doing this and thinking that it's acceptable to, to poison people's pets. The locals um, seem to think that it's possibly a, a, a gardener who's keen to protect their garden, so they're putting up bowls of antifreeze for the cats to drink, and cats like it apparently because it's quite sweet. Um, yes, cat, cats do like it because it's sweet, and, and we have it, indeed in the past prosecuted people when we found that they have put out bowls of milk laced with antifreeze to tempt cats. Um, we, we certainly would like to know exactly who's doing this, and I know the police are investigating as well, and we would like to see them prosecuted for doing this. What, what, sure what prosecution, what can happen to someone who's doing this? Well, they could be taken to a magistrate's court and um, face a mag- the magistrate's maximum fine, which is up to six months in prison, and a fine of up to £20,000. Does anyone ever get that, that, that um, sentence at all? No, they don't get the maximum sentence, but, you know, it's obviously up at the, to the discretion of the magistrates. But, you know, we have prosecuted people in the past, and, you know, over the past year we've prosecuted people for, for poisoning cats with antifreeze. So whoever is doing this needs to be warned that they could easily face prosecution for this. How many prosecutions have you, you had for this? don't know exactly how many we've had across the country, but it's something very sadly that's happening on a regular basis because when this was mentioned to me i thought oh this is an interesting one-off story but we heard we've had a, a, a caller from Stephen, as you said a while ago they had someone who was injecting cats with, uh, with with antifreeze you're saying you've had prosecution so this this happens quite a bit then it would seem this is it, terrifying it does it, it is yeah and it does happen you know in spates across the country and different areas um, our, our, our inspectors called that they've they've had a call from somebody whose cat's been poisoned by antifreeze, and it's hardly ever just one cat. If somebody's putting it down, then obviously all the cats in the neighbourhood are going to, um, you know, come to that. How does this work? The, obviously, the police are investigating it. Do the RSPCA investigate it as well? What 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 help can you offer? Yeah, we certainly do, and and because we've got the. Um, expertise in dealing with animal welfare law we can certainly um take it forward if, if there's enough evidence that this person is actually um poisoning the cats then it's something that, that we can take forward and we'll take it forward to a magistrate's court for, for them to make up their mind on the sentence and claire Kennett from the rspca thank you very much uh, mel is in clifton morning mel 
Good morning. What, what, what do you take? What's your take on this story? Um, well, although I don't approve of poisoning animals, um, myself and a few others where I live are very frustrated because um, one person is feeding quite a lot of cats that don't belong to them, and three times a day, regularly, they migrate from all over the place to her house, and our gardens are just covered in mess, and we plant them up with vegetables, and then you go out there and they're dug up, and they're sprayed all over, and it smells disgusting. And um, also, there's a chap that's moved in in an old people's bungalow, a pensioner, uh, he moved in about 18 months ago, and he's done everything to try and keep his garden cat-free without harming them. He's spent a lot of money, and still they're getting in. And, in fact, yesterday I think he was due to have a representative from the council go round because he was that frustrated with it. He wanted something done about it. Have you um, uh, spoken to this neighbour that's uh, encouraging these cats like this? Um, I haven't personally, and I don't know if anyone else has. Um, there's a, a couple live next door to them with two children, and she says she's, you know, she has to go and search the garden before they can go out to play. Mm. Um, and all these cats are black and white cats, and now I've noticed um, a couple of days ago there's a couple of kittens now, so they're breeding, mm. and there's between five and ten cats that migrate to her house every day to be fed. I, I would suggest, if this person is, um, you know, that doesn't seem particularly dangerous, that... that, that Often these problems can be solved by knocking on the door and saying, can we have a word? Do you, do you know that, you know, what you're doing is very noble, but it's, it's causing everyone quite a few problems? Is there any way we can reach a compromise? Otherwise, these resentments build up, don't they, Mel? They do, yes, they do a lot. Um, we planted our garden up last year, and half an hour after we dug it, they were in the garden digging it again. So we went out, and my partner put um, netting over the top to stop the cats getting in, and the next day um, they'd ripped it to get in to dig and spray and do whatever. So this year we've built stronger things like a frame with um, chicken wire on it and things like that. But it's all expense you can do without. Um, they they know that I don't like them in the garden because if I see one, all I've got to do is rattle the door handle and they no, run off. No, no, how, how far would you go to stop them coming in, Mel? Would you go as far as this, this person who's putting antifreeze out? No, I wouldn't kill them, no. No, I have bought gadgets... Um, silent bleepers when they walk past right. but it, it frightens them there's a, a loud noise that we can't hear yep. that's supposed to frighten them and i had two of those in my garden and i watched the cats walk up to it they jumped a little bit and then walked past yeah them. i bet they did mel listen we have to end it there but thank you very much indeed well mel is uh, frustrated by the amounts of cats i would suggest go and knock on the neighbor's door have a word right thank you for that mel let's get the travel news now here's adam glynn and Bucks Travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. An accident in the Homesdale Tunnel is causing long delays on the M25 anti-clockwise. There's the outside lane closed off still between Waltham Abbey and Enfield through the tunnel. Congestion's back to halfway between Junction 27 and 28 in Essex, so that's delays of about an hour. Further around anti-clockwise, it's stop-start from Chorleywood to the M4, and clockwise is looking slow at the A1M. The northbound M40, you'll find two lanes closed off because of an accident with two lorries involved. Junction 8A at Oxford through to 9 at Vistas, where that is, and traffic's looking very heavy. The A1M slow on the southbound side from Hitchin through to Stevenage junction 8 to 7 trains generally looking fine until you get in toward London service on the overground is suspended between Wilston Junction and Clapham Junction and Wilston Junction and Euston because of two separate problems this morning Bakerloo Line and Piccadilly Line on the tubes both running with severe delays Adam Glynn BBC Three Counties Radio Thank you very much Adam If you saw a crime happening you're walking past a fight in the street would you get involved? You're being asked to intervene by the Police and Crime Commissioner for Hertfordshire. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. 
This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning, it's 8 o'clock, I'm Catherine Boyle. The headlines, police commissioner prepared to go it alone, terror plot four due for sentencing and cat poisoning fears in Berkhamsted. BBC Three Counties Radio. Harfordshire's police and crime commissioner has told this programme he's considering handing some backroom duties to the county council. David Lloyd denies this constitutes the end of a working partnership with Bedfordshire and Cambridgeshire, but says he's prepared to go it alone to find the best deal for Hertfordshire. I'm looking at other organisations. If you look, for instance, at the county council, um, that's an organisation which is some something like ten times the size of the police force. It is more likely that they're going to be able to find uh, scale offerings which allow us to save money um, than another smaller constabulary is able to. If we can bring it all together with other constabularies, better still. Four men who admitted discussing bombing Luton's Territorial Army Centre are due to be sentenced later. 31-year-old Zahid Iqbal, 25-year-old Mohammed Shafraz Ahmed, 24-year-old Umar Arshad and 22-year-old Syed Farhan Hussein are all from Luton. Last month they pleaded guilty to engaging in conduct in preparation for acts of terrorism. Officials in Texas say they fear that many people have died in a huge explosion at a fertiliser plant. More than 100 people have been taken to hospital, some with serious injuries. A fire at the plant in the town of West, near Waco, caused an ammonia tank to explode. President Obama will travel to Boston today to attend a service honouring the victims of the bomb attack on the city's marathon on Monday. Two women and a young boy were killed. More than 170 people were wounded. A paralysed man who's brought a legal case arguing his right to die has spoken out for the first time about his campaign. Paul Lamb, who until now has been known only as L, told the BBC he was waiving his right to anonymity because he wants people to back a change in the law. Mr Lamb was paralysed from the neck down in a car accident in 1990 and suffers constant pain. He wants the High Court to rule that a doctor can kill him without fear of prosecution. A petition in favour of plans for a mental health clinic in Hitchin has been submitted to North Hearts District Council. Permission could be granted for the facility at a meeting tonight, with many local residents expressing safety concerns. Monique Blackham is a mental health support worker and hopes her 119 signature petition will add balance to the debate. It's about opening people's eyes to you know, the Mm -hmm. stigma attached to mental health illness at the moment, which is just shocking and out of date and medieval. Neighbours in Berkhamsted say they fear for the safety of their cats after a spate of fatal poisonings. Up to 10 cats have been found dead in the last five months. Some had apparently ingested antifreeze. In sport, it's been announced Saracens are set to sign Nottingham Centre's Tim Strether. The weather cloudy with scattered showers and a top temperature of 14 degrees Celsius. Mm. That's 57 Fahrenheit. Mm-hmm. There's more news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties, mm-hmm. BBC Three Counties Radio. First for interruptions. Cheeky. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Why do I always get a burst of energy in the last hour of the show? I don't know. Maybe it's because I've been handed a lovely cup of tea. That could be something to do with it. Or maybe it's because the drugs are finally kicking in. Lots coming up between now and JVS at nine o'clock, including... We'll hear why negotiations between police and crime commissioners of Bedfordshire, Hertfordshire and Cambridgeshire have broken down and what that could mean for you. What would you do if you suspected that cats where you live are being poisoned? We'll hear why pet owners in Berkhamsted are so worried about theirs. And also, we, we keep mentioning this and, and more and more of you are getting involved and it's fantastic. I think this is what 
BBC Three Counties Radio should be all about. If you've got a story that you think we should be talking about, we want to hear from you. Big, small, whatever. Well, that's exactly what Dave Fulbrook from Luton has done. He's concerned about changes which have been made to footpaths in the town. He thinks it's been made more dangerous for school children. We'll hear his story in about half an hour's time. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. You can give me a call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. If you do want to get in touch with a story that you think we uh, might like to do, and it can be massive, huge corruption, or it can be a tiny thing that's just happening in your house. If you think it's relevant and it's worth investigating, do send me an email. Ian.Lee at bbc.co.uk. I-A-I-N. Got that extra I, you see. It's the Scottish. I-A-I-N dot L-double-E at bbc.co.uk. And more and more of you are doing that, and we're getting some cracking stories. So do send me an email, ian.lee at bbc.co.uk, and you could appear on the radio. You might even get to meet Justin Dealey. Wowzers! Now, you may remember on this programme, we told you that the Police and Crime Commissioners of Bedfordshire, Hertfordshire and Cambridgeshire were hoping to work together over the provision of back office services. Well, those negotiations have failed. The Hertfordshire force has decided to go its own way and look elsewhere for supply of services such as IT and human resources. Well, earlier on, I spoke to the Police and Crime Commissioner for Hertfordshire, David Lloyd. As you know, we're already working very closely with Beds and Cam- Cambridgeshire. We're going to continue doing that. To that extent, nothing has changed. So uh, the armed response unit, the roads policing, the dogs, all those things we're doing together so well, we continue to do so well together. What I've said, though, and uh, uh, what we uh, all agree on is that we should have the chance to have a look outside if we want to do things. Um, If I want to uh, test things through the market, for instance, I should be allowed to do that. Everyone's signed up to that. And if I find a good deal, others might well join me in that or they might not. So there's no failure here. There's no falling apart. All it is is giving a very steer um, direction to everyone about what we're doing. David Lloyd has also received a lot of attention over the last 24 hours for his comments made at a lecture at the University of Hertfordshire. He thinks you should intervene more when you witness crimes being committed. There is clearly a point at which your own safety is at risk and i am not saying that you should put your own safety at risk but uh you know early on when you're perhaps uh, in the pub or wherever you might very well see people who are perhaps starting down that line and you might well be able to intervene at that point what would you say to them though well, um, you know, I, I think it can just be a question of, you know, come on, it's getting a bit loud, isn't it? You know, what, what, what are you playing at? I mean, we've all got our ways of intervening. Mm. And if you're good at that sort of thing, you should do it. The point I'm making is that we should be on the side of, of, of the right, not on the side of the wrong. Well, that was David Lloyd speaking earlier on this show. Neil Alston is the chair of the Hertfordshire Police Federation, who represent police officers. Morning, Neil. Morning, Ian. What do you, who do you think should provide the back office staff? Um, whoever can do it uh, most ethically and uh, cheapest uh, and continue to provide the same high level that we uh, already are receiving. There is always the worry, isn't there, that the cheap doesn't necessarily mean good. Indeed, and that's uh, and that's our concern with outsourcing um, and G4S, as we saw with the Olympics. Uh, they were very cheap, but uh, there was a reason for that. Yes, well, there was a reason. They were awful. How did you feel about Hearts working with Beds and Cambridge's forces more? And are you disappointed at this little breakdown in communications? 
Um, I, I, th- I think I'm actually with uh, Mr. Lloyd on this. It's not necessarily a breakdown in communications. We've uh, we've pulled some resources um, in in terms of uh, firearms and uh, roads policing, etc. But there are other things that need uh, need looking at. Um, and I understand that Mr. Lloyd is going to look at um, providing those from different sources, which may well be uh, the county council or, or other public services, um, or. or um, indeed from from elsewhere but uh, it, it doesn't need to be tied into bedfordshire um hertfordshire is a force that stands alone it has its own pcc uh, and we're a very proud force um if it works that we uh, continue to collaborate on things with bedfordshire and cambridgeshire then that's fine but also we need to do what's best for the residents of hertfordshire what do you think about the possibility of the council, county council being used I think that's uh, okay. It's worked in other forces. Hampshire, I believe, do uh, do something similar. It's about uh, choosing the the right bit to to collaborate on, either with a, another police force or with a county council, or indeed with a uh, a um, exterior provider. But uh, we're not keen on outsourcing because uh, everybody is proud to work for Hertfordshire Constabulary, uh, and we'd rather that uh, that continued uh, to a greater rather than lesser degree. Uh, the, the Lloydy, Mr. Lloyd, has been in all the the, the press recently because of uh, his his uh, statements about uh, what we just talked about, and also his calls for people to intervene more. How far do you think people should go to intervene if they see a crime? Um, I think uh, they should certainly get involved, and I, and I think uh, there's been a degree of misrepresentation. I was at uh, his lecture, um, and he called for, um, as he said to you this morning, it's much wider than just intervening. It's about getting involved. Uh, policing is essentially a, a community-spirited um, act, uh, but people are paid for it. Um, and, and I think it, intervening can run the gamut of just ringing the police and make sure that you don't turn a blind eye, or if you're, you're able to, um, actually do get involved. I remember many years ago um uh, 29 years ago in fact as a young constable um i arrested two shoplifters who um violently resisted and as i arrested one to the ground i remember seeing a, a foot coming towards my head uh, and a member of the public grabbed the man and stopped him kicking me in the head and i was forever grateful to that member of the public um and that's the sort of thing that uh, people need to get involved when they can uh, and support the police uh, we don't expect them to replace the police, but everybody has a, a role to play in, in making our society safer. Uh, Neil, I appreciate your time. Thank you very much. Neil Alston, uh, Chair of the Hertfordshire Police Federation, who represents police officers. Well, it is, um, it's an interesting one, isn't it? How far should we go? How much should we intervene when we see crimes happening? Have you done it? Have you been out in the street and you've seen a punch-up, or you've seen a robbery, or you've seen something, and you thought, yeah, I think I can tackle this. I'm in. 08459 oh, 455 555. Well, Justin Dealey has been out finding out what you think about this. Justin, where have you been this morning? Been in Luton this morning, Ian, and uh, it certainly appears that everyone's got a story. Um, joining me live here at the Radio Car is Mick. Uh, Mick, you have intervened before, and sadly you've been beaten up. This happened, what, two or three years ago. Tell us what happened. Well, a man and woman were just knocking lumps out of each other, basically. And uh, this was down near Telford Way, around that area. And uh, I was just walking along, and I, I just went over, and I said, you know, don't don't start fighting in the street or, you know, whatever. And they turned on you? And it was a woman who turned on me and, start, and said, don't interfere, and started hitting me. And then the bloke weighed in as well. Absolutely terrible. Just lastly, so now you wouldn't intervene because, sadly, that's happened well, to you? I, I would, I would, I might intervene again, 
but only under if it was sort of more controlled. There wasn't anybody else about, you see. This was the problem. OK, thank you very much for leaving your time. That's uh, Mick there joining us. It's another one of those stories of a couple fighting. You step in and the woman turns on you. I've heard this so mm. many times. Absolutely. You're about to hear some more now because uh, that was Mick joining us live. I've been in Lucent this morning asking people, would they step in if they saw a crime taking place? And this is what people had to say. Sir, if you saw a crime taking place, would you step in? Yes, I would. I'm certain I would, yes. So have you stepped in in the past then? I have, yes, just once. And what happened? There was a man and a woman fighting, so I went across the road to split them up, and both of them turned on me, actually. So were you actually hit because of that? Uh, yes, I was, yeah. I mean, how did that make you feel? You stepped in trying to look after somebody, essentially. You're looking out for them, and then you've been attacked. How did that make you feel? A bit sick at the time. I thought I was doing my duty can't stand seeing men hit women, but when they both turned against me, I was a bit shocked, mm. to be honest. You were shocked, but it certainly wouldn't stop you in the, in the future. You'd still step in. Yeah, definitely. Rosie, if you saw a crime taking place, do you think you might step in? Um, I would I would really hope that I would. It would depend on the crime. I have um, done it when, um, when I worked in a shop and someone was shoplifting and I chased somebody out of the shop, which I shouldn't have done really. But if somebody was being attacked, I would hope that I would react in the right way and help them out. And when you chased that shoplifter, that must have been quite a scary experience for you. <laughs> yeah, it was. I suppose there was a certain amount of adrenaline. It was in the local Arndale. I wasn't very old at the time. I think I was about 18. And I just thought, oh, no, you can't do that, and yeah. just went after them. I don't think I really apprehended them because I think the security for the Arndale got involved very quickly because of the radio system that they have there. But of course, that was the heat of the moment. If you saw somebody being attacked or a crime taking place again, the adrenaline would probably kick in and you'd probably do the same, wouldn't you? Yeah, I would hope so. Yeah, definitely. I would really hope if that was happening to me that somebody would do that. Ralph, if you saw a crime taking place right in front of you, would you step in? Until it happens, you don't know, do you? I'd like to think I would, but depending on what it was. Now, sir, your company policy is that you don't intervene, you don't no. step in. Can you tell us more about that? You don't get involved because you can get in trouble yourself. And uh, that's the way I look at things. Instead of getting hurt, keep away. So, on a personal level, if you saw a crime taking place, would you step in if it was outside of working hours? I'd report it. I would report it, but I wouldn't get involved. Would you feel guilty if you did see that taking place and you didn't get involved and somebody was seriously hurt? In some respects, yes. In some respects, no. Justin, do you know what? Five years ago, we would have sent you out this morning to commit a crime <laughs> to see if people would have got involved. I'd like to thank Jonathan yeah. Ross and Russell Brand for meaning yeah. we couldn't bring you Thanks that guys. this morning. Thanks, yeah. guys. Uh, but would you would you get involved, Justin? If you saw if you saw a, a, a bit of argy-bargy in the street or you saw you know some yobs shouting and swearing at a shopkeeper, would, would you step in? I think every situation's different. Certainly five years ago, I certainly wouldn't have thought twice about it. If it was a, an elderly lady or an elderly man, I would like to think that I would step in immediately because that is just totally out of order. But, of course, you don't know what people are carrying these days. I'm just being realistic by saying that. I'm just being honest. But if I didn't step in, of course, I would then have to live with the guilt if something terrible had happened. You'd like to think that, that you would, but nowadays, in my opinion, it's probably just too dangerous. And when it comes to couples in particular... It's got nothing to do with me. And you've heard so many stories this morning. People that have stepped in, they've tried to protect the lady, and they've been beaten up in the process. Mm. That is not right, is it? It's not, Justin. Excellent stuff, as always. I think we're going to be speaking to you uh, a little bit later on as well, so thank you very much for that. 8.15. Travel news now. Adam Glynn. and Bucks Travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. And there are still problems in the Homesdale Tunnel on the M25 anti-clockwise. One lane closed off because of an accident which is now being recovered. 
that's causing big queues back into Essex to around Junction 28. Further round anti-clockwise, you'll find it stop-start from Watford to the M40, Junction 19 to 16, and if you're going clockwise, it is slow into the roadworks past the A1M at Junction 23. Northbound M40, two lanes still closed off in Oxfordshire, Junction 8A at Oxford to 9 at Bicester, an accident with two lorries involved early this morning. Traffic's very heavy in the area now. If you're heading toward London, on the roads, not doing too badly. On the rails, we're not doing ba- too badly either, really, unless you're travelling with the London Overground or making a connection because service is suspended between Wilston Junction and Clapham Junction and between Wilston Junction and London Euston because of a broken-down train and a fire alert. The fire alert means the Bakerloo line has been suspended again between Queen's Park and Harrow and Wealdstone and the Piccadilly line has severe delays after a trespasser on the track earlier this morning. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. Right, it's 8.16, it's Thursday the 18th of April, I'm Ian Lee, and these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Hertfordshire's Police Commissioner David Lloyd is denying his suggestion that more civilians should intervene in crime encourages so-called have-a-go heroes. Four men who admitted discussing bombing Luton's Territorial Army Centre are due to be sentenced later. In sport, Luton Town play their final home match of the season tonight as they host Ebbsfleet at Kenilworth Road. The weather today for beds, hearts and bucks, cloudy with scattered showers and a top temperature of 14 degrees. Coming up, before 8.30, plans are being submitted for a mental health clinic in Hitchin. There's a petition in favour of the facility. Would you want one near you? BBC Three Counties Radio. Next month, voters in Hertfordshire and Buckinghamshire go to the polls to elect their county councils. And BBC Three Counties Radio will be holding a series of debates with the leaders of the parties hoping to get your vote. We'll discuss the key issues affecting residents and holding those leaders and policies to account. And we want you to be involved. On Thursday, we'll be in St Albans, so join us at the Jubilee Centre on Catherine Street for a question time debate about Hertfordshire. We'll be there all afternoon with a debate after six as part of our regular politics hour. Come along, question the leaders, or listen live from three as we look at what your local politician hopes to change where you live. Roberto Peroni, weekdays from three, BBC Three Counties Radio. One day, I I really wish that we were allowed to broadcast the bits that we say off-air. Oh, Wouldn't that be good? It would make for a much more interesting listen than this nonsense. You reckon? Oh, yeah. What we were just saying then... Oh, but people love this bit. Well, people people listen to this bit. They tolerate this bit. No, they love it. Really? Oh, yes. This bit? Yes, they love it. So, hang on. Are you saying that the the, the best bit of my show, where we have a team of, of dozens who put literally hours into preparation and I rehearse this and go through it and look at this all the night before the best bit is when you come in and we just mess around yes oh for goodness <laughs> sakes did you hear that producer Laura the best bit's when Jonathan comes in and we oh, mess around that's what he's saying I agree <laughs> I well, then why do we bother with the rest of it why do we bother having David Lloyd in and, and, and Justin out why, why, why not just have him in here well he's busy isn't he do, does your belly hurt today no my belly's alright <laughs> Have you still got a cob on, though? Yeah, I've still got a cob on. Still got a cob on. She's, she's Mardi. Isn't she? Isn't she just... Can we do anything to cheer you up? No. Well, oh, dear. Blimey. Oh, dear. It's unfortunate, isn't it? I thought women were supposed to bloom during pregnancy. No, not in the slightest. Look at the face on her. Oh, awful. Awful. Ah, <laughs> oh, dear. She's not got long now. No? No, no, before I kill her! <laughs> I'm joking, I'm joking! That's right, you get another producer in four weeks. Yeah, I know, I'm, I can't wait. Blimey. Deary me. 
Anyway, uh, Jonathan, always, always lovely to see you in your um, olive top. Oh, shut up. I knew you the way you were eyeing me up. You were going to start talking about my top. I'm just saying you're wearing a nice olive top. <laughs> it's not olive, it's teal. It was, I'm, well, t- you say teal, I say olive. Either way, it oh. looks very flattering. I like it when you wear skinny fit tops because I can see how buff you are. <laughs> you make me feel so uncomfortable. <laughs> uncomfortable or excited? <laughs> Both. <laughs> uh, coming up on the big phone-in this morning at nine, uh, picking up on the story you've been talking about this morning, very interesting it is too, the David Lloyd story. I'm asking from nine, is it best to walk on by if you see someone committing a crime? The Police and Crime Commissioner for Hertfordshire says the public should intervene more if they see crime being committed. David Lloyd said society should consider speaking out and challenging bad and criminal behaviour. He says he's not asking or expecting people to put themselves at risk, but we should be on the side of the right and not on the side of the wrong. Well, from nine this morning, I want your call on this. Is it best to walk on by if you see someone committing a crime? 08459 455 555 is the telephone number from nine. I'd like your view. Do you know what? Listening to uh, Justin's, um, his little vox earlier yes. of people that had responded. Yep. What a bunch of lily-livered wimps we've become now. One person after another. No, I wouldn't get involved. No, I do, no, I might get my phone out and phone the police. No, well, God help those people if they're suddenly being kicked to death on the floor and all these people are walking by. What the hell's going on? From nine, is it best to walk on by if you see someone committing a crime? Call 08459 455 555. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Wowzers. The, the, the rant continued long after the microphone had gone down. It's going to be a good JVS show this morning from nine. When he's angry, I mean, they're always excellent, but when he's angry, they're double excellent. He kicked a chair as he walks out. Wowzers, you can start calling JVS now, 08459 455 555, or you can send him an email, jvsshow at bbc.co.uk. A petition supporting plans for a mental health clinic in Hitchin has been submitted to the council. More than 100 people have backed a proposal for the clinic, despite objections from those living near the site. Permission is likely to be granted for the facility at a meeting tonight. Well, Michelle Jayaratnam from Hearts Partnership Foundation Trust, which runs mental health services in Hertfordshire, joins me now. Good morning, Michelle. Good morning, Ian. Can you explain exactly what the plan is for this project? Our, our plan is to have a community mental health resource centre based uh, at the site in Cooper's Yard. We currently have a site at the Centenary House, uh, just a couple of hundred yards from there, which is no longer uh, suits our needs and is in a fairly run-down state. And this is part of our overall transformation plan to improve services for people with mental health and learning disabilities in Hertfordshire. So this is a day centre, but there won't be people staying there. Oh no, this is uh, it's not a residential unit. No. This is where uh, people with mental health problems uh, will come during the day for appointments. So I imagine what it will be open between 8 and 5 o'clock, something like that? Uh, 8 and 5 or 6, depending on what the planning okay. department agree with us. And what kind of um, conditions will the people have who are visiting? broad range of mental health problems, uh, including um, depression, anxiety, the uh, mania, people with psychosis. Now, I'm going to interrupt you there, Michelle. Mm-hmm. You've you said the word mania and psychosis. Mm-hmm. Some people might be alarmed to hear that. Can you explain uh, what those, those terms mean? 
People with mental health problems have various conditions. Um, psychosis is one of the conditions where people may um, exhibit um, uh, situations like they may hear voices, uh, they may see things that are not there, and we have a number of new treatments and improved uh, medication in the last uh, 10 to 20 years which assist us to enable people to cope with their mental health problems and manage them on a daily basis. And, and what exactly is mania, Michelle? Mania is when uh, people um, have, um, what you would call, um, mood swings, really. People who sometimes feel extremely low and very depressed and then other times feel very uh, elated. And again, there are some really good uh, medication treatments and therapies where people uh, come to the centre and we assist them to manage those conditions. And people get on with their normal life, go to work, raise their families, but they also manage their conditions. Can you understand why uh, residents might be concerned when they hear um, terms such as psychosis, people hearing and seeing things, why local residents might be worried for their safety? Well, no more than any other uh, conditions, really. People, we will be managing uh, these services extremely well. People are monitored closely to assist them in their recovery and to manage their mental health problems. Um, People with uh, mental health problems are no more um, uh, likely to cause any risk to people than any, the general public. So that is, uh, uh, you know, something that is a stigma that has been attached to mental health for many years, but actually it's not proven if you look at the research. So Michelle, can you, you can confirm, can you, that the, the, uh, the residents are in, in no greater danger because of the placing of this facility? That, that, was my, that is my opinion. Okay. People are in no greater danger than uh, the general public, people coming out of pubs, people in the supermarkets. One, one in four people in the community uh, are affected by mental health problems in any given year. Um, uh, so your, your neighbours, people who walk with you in the supermarket, will be users of our services. There are over 800 people currently using our mental health service just in the Hitchin area. Now, it's, it's in the town centre, it's a good location, but access to the building isn't great, is it? It's up a narrow paved lane, and the parking arrangements are very complicated. Well, parking, um, uh, we will uh, work closely with the council to ensure access to public parking. We are not expecting uh, people who use our service to access the parking on the residential site. We only have access to six car parking spaces as part of the lease, if we're given the lease. Um, four of them would just be for staff um, who are um, uh, based at the building, and we probably would have to convert two of the parking spaces uh, to uh, have access to a disabled parking space. Uh, otherwise, we expect our staff and service users to use the public car parks, which there are many around the the uh, central area of Hitchin, uh, and that's how people access our services at the moment from Centenary House. Why do you think, Michelle, there is such a fear of mental illness? Well, I think, you know, that's, that's part of our work in the Trust in Hertfordshire, to, to raise the profile of mental illness, to try and um, eliminate this stigma and the old stories about people being um, uh, confronted in the street and, and uh, hurt by service users of mental health services. Um, and and we, we will continue to work with um, the public to um, improve that profile and to make sure that people understand mental health problems. And like I said, it affects one in four of us in, in any given year. Michelle J. Ratnam from the Hearts Partnership Foundation Trust. Thank you very much indeed. Text 81333. Start your message with 3CR. Text charged at the standard network rate. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. 
Police and Crime Commissioner for Hertfordshire, David Lloyd, has suggested maybe we should intervene a little bit more if we see something naughty happening. Well, have you done it? Danny and Luton, have you intervened? Uh, yeah, I interviewed uh, just a few weeks ago. What on happened? A flight back from holiday. A flight? Yeah. What was going on? So, well, the guy on the flight, he, he ended up uh, being a bit rowdy, um, had drunk way too much, uh, and he was a big guy, a bodybuilder, so... Um, you know, we went down to the back of the plane, and um, about ten minutes later, the stewardess came running out, um, asking for whether there was military or police personnel on the plane. All right, whoa, whoa, hang on a second. I, I've, 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 I've been somewhere once where someone asked if there was a doctor uh, in, the, in the house. But if I was on an aeroplane and a stewardess was asking for military personnel, I would be terrified. What did you think was happening? Well, I, I knew that the guy would have been kicking off. He'd right. Just, yeah, he was only sitting about six or seven seats in front of me, and, you know, the way he was acting with passengers. And you have, uh, a, you have a military or, or police background, do you, Danny? No, I don't, but I didn't see anyone else getting up at the time, and, you know, I'd go out to the gym and that, you know, I'm not a small guy, I'm not a massive guy either, yeah. but... And what did you do? Did well. you, what did you have to do? Um, I got up, uh, went to the back of the plane, um, they gave me gloves because the guy was bleeding from um, trying to uh, damage the back of the plane and trying to rip the doors off the, the, the cabin and stuff like that, um, and thus, you know, I put the gloves on, and when he uh, attacked one of the stewards around the throat... Um, I jumped on him, along with a couple of other guys, and we tackled down to the ground. How much longer, how much more of the flight was there? Um, we were about halfway through the flight, uh, but so but we had to be diverted. So um, we we got diverted to the nearest airport that could take us, but that was about an hour and a half away. Uh, and what were you doing? Were you sat on him for an hour and a half? Yeah, so we had to only fought for that hour and a half as well. We ended up being bruised and battered for a whole hour and a half as he fought, punched, kicked, spat, tried to break my fingers, that type of stuff. So it was an interesting hour and a half while, while we tried to find the nearest... And when, when that happens, Danny, do you then get um, like a golden ticket from the airline saying, thank you so much, Danny, you can travel for free for the rest of your life? Uh, no, I didn't. Oh. I mean, admittedly, they did give me... Uh, Five hundred dollars off my next flight. Fantastic. Um, and I got a, a nice bottle of vodka um, as I got off the flight, which was a bit ironic because considering the guy was, <laughs> uh, he was drunk. <laughs> yes. And Danny, well, do you do you regret getting involved? You say you got bruised and scratched. Did, do you regret it, or did you do the right thing? No, I, I don't regret it at all. And I think you know people should get involved. I, I wouldn't have felt good in myself if I hadn't. Have said, Danny, yeah. we have to end it there. What a fascinating story. You would be terrified on an aeroplane, a stewardess comes out. Are there any police or military personnel on board? Oh, my goodness gracious me. Thank you, Danny. Travel news now. Adam Glynn. Hearts and Bucks Travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, the M25 anti-clockwise, we've got a bit of good news. It's still queuing, I'm afraid, but the accident in the Holmesdale Tunnel has now been cleared. Delays, though, back into Essex still. Anti-clockwise, it's stop-start from Watford to the M40 as well. Usual queues and traffic building up through there and clockwise into the roadworks is slow at the A1M. Northbound M40 we're back to just one lane closed now from Oxford to Bicester, Junction 889 after an accident with 
a lorry involved and that's still looking very busy. Southbound M1, two patches looking slow. Newport Pagnell to Milton Keynes and Luton to Redbourne. So that's Newport Pagnell Junction 14, then Junction 10 to 9 where it's looking busiest. Into London, on the trains, the overground still suspended. Wilston Junction to Clapham Junction and Wilston Junction to Euston. Bakerloo line suspended. Harrow and Wilston to Queen's Park. Piccadilly line, severe delays. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. Here's the news now with Catherine Boyle. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. The headlines. Hertfordshire's Police Commissioner David Lloyd is denying his suggestion that more civilians should intervene in crime encourages so-called have-a-go heroes. Four men who admitted discussing bombings Luton's Territorial Army Centre are due to be sentenced later. And officials in Texas say they fear that many people have died in a huge explosion at a fertiliser plant. Beds, Hearts and Bucks Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. Controversial Robin Van Persie strike gave Manchester United a two-all draw at West Ham. Television replays showed Van Persie was in an offside position as he scored to level that match. United came from behind twice last night and Sir Alex Ferguson feels his size determination not to leave Upton Park empty-handed is the hallmark of champions. I think that their performance level has been very good. Consistency, determination, they played with champions tonight, my, my weekend, they never gave in, stood up to everything they, it was asked of them and uh, well, only five games left now. Meanwhile, Manchester City kept their hopes of retaining the Premier League title alive with a 1-0 win against Wigan. And John Terry scored twice following a stunning David Luiz strike as Chelsea beat Fulham 3-0 to move above Arsenal into third place. In the conference, Luton Town play their final home match of the season tonight as they host Ebbsfleet at Kenilworth Road. Manager John still says he wants to maintain the good form shown since the heavy defeat away to Gateshead. It's how you respond to disappointment. We got beat at Gateshead and we've been very, very good since. So... You know, as, as, as poor as it looked then, it's as good as it's you know becoming now. So I'm quite impressed with that, how we've dealt with it. And there's full commentary on Luton versus Ebbsfleet in Three Counties Sport tonight from 7 o'clock. In Rugby's Championship, Bedford Blues beat Doncaster Knights 38-26 at Goldington Road last night. The result keeps Bedford's hopes of a playoff place alive but means relegation for Doncaster. And it's been announced Saracens are set to sign Nottingham centre Tim Strether. His club's announced he'll be leaving at the end of the season. And that's the latest news and sport. More from me at 9 o'clock. Across beds, hearts and bucks, this is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. Wowzers, I know what's coming up. You should keep listening. Uh, if you have a story that you think we should be talking about, we do want to hear from you. It's exactly what Dave Fulbrook from Luton has done. He's concerned about changes which have been made to, uh, to footpaths in the town, and he thinks it's been made more dangerous for school children. That story's coming up. If you do uh, have a story you think we should be talking about ian.lee i-a-i-n dot l-double-e at bbc.co.uk now one of the stories we've been talking about this uh, this morning uh, police are investigating a spate of cat killings in Berkhamsted. several cats have been found dead around westfield road since november last year our reporter sophie solaria has been to meet some of the owners my name is Anne, and i live in chaucer close and there's someone around here poisoning cats i look after a cat that lives opposite me when the lady goes away and she said to me I'm just taking Poppet to the vets she's been sick and she's off her food for two days on the Thursday morning the lady next door to me came round she'd had two cats poisoned one had died on Wednesday evening and one the Friday before so I then phoned Emma that lives opposite and told her and she said 
She phoned the vets and the vet said her cat was in a critical condition. He thought it was antifreeze as well. And then her cat died on the Saturday morning, never recovered. Then on the Saturday morning, I went down to the shop and there was a poster outside the shop saying that a cat was missing. So I phoned the number and I said to the lady, I'm sorry, don't know anything about your cat, but I know there's someone around here poisoning them. So she phoned me back later on and said, thank you for phoning We found our cat, it had been poisoned and it was lying under the hedge. And then I spoke to someone else and the person at number four, Chaucer Close, had found a cat that wasn't theirs, they don't know where it came from, dead on their doorstep. Why do you think this is happening? Obviously someone doesn't like cats because they can be a nuisance, they go in people's gardens and people don't like them, but you don't have to... Hi, my name's Katie Merrick, and from last November we've lost three kittens, Buzz, Rex and Slinky. Buzz Lightyear died in November last year. Just started going all, like, floppy and wouldn't eat or anything. And uh, we took him to the Pets at Home vets, and they said he'd been poisoned. Went in the morning to pick him up, and he hadn't made it through the night. And and you were told it was through antifreeze? Yeah, the vet said it had to be antifreeze, because that's the only thing that could have killed him that quickly. So that was one of the first incidents on your road? Yeah. What happened next? In January, the police randomly turned up at my house asking them if I'd had a cat that had died because another four cats had been killed along the road with antifreeze. And then on Friday, I get a call from my partner saying that he's at the vets with Slinky, our youngest kitten at four months. And then another call saying that they've had to put him down because he had antifreeze poisoning. And then the next morning, we got up at 8 o'clock in the morning thinking Rex was okay, went downstairs and his legs just kept separating. Had to take him to the vets and he got put down at quarter to nine in the morning and he was 13 months old. You've lost three cats in the space of five months, two this weekend. Yeah, it's horrible. They all had a cat each and now they've got none. I've had to explain to them why their cats are now in heaven. And we had to bury them and have a funeral and they gave Rex, because we knew Rex was going to die, they gave him kisses to go to heaven with. Saturday morning, didn't you? Do you miss your cat? Rex. Rex. Where are they now? In heaven, but they're all heaven, in heaven together, aren't they? They're in pussycat heaven. So you're convinced that someone is killing your cats? Yeah, it just seems too weird that eight cats have now died along our street. Will you get another cat? No, definitely not. I can't put my kids through that again. They don't understand. They think now when you're ill, you're going to die. Well, that's uh, our reporter, Sophie Silaria, speaking to uh, residents of Westfield Road in Berkhamsted who claim their cats are being poisoned. Well, we've had a phone call from Dave in Berkhamsted. Morning, Dave. Morning. Dave, you're aware of this story, aren't you? Well, we're aware of several things going on in Westfield Road. You you live in Westfield Road, do you? Yes, I do. I've lived here for 28 years. Um, and, and how are you connected to this story? Well, we had the RSPCA come out yesterday morning because they'd had nine complaints saying that we were the ones that were killing the cats. Now... My daughter lives down near at number four. Well, let's, yeah, let's not give out any numbers or anything, because we don't want people to know. Oh, sorry. That's, well, that's quite right. I'm just thinking about you. Yeah, well, my daughter lives down the road there, and um, she moved into this house, and it was in a terrible state, and there's loads of slugs, snails, and everything in there, and it was in a terrible state, and the council wouldn't clean it up. And uh, I love my gardening, so I go down, I get it all cleared up for her. Now, yesterday... I went down with a pressure washer to move, to blow some stuff out of the edge because there was dog's mess out on the, somebody put dog's mess on the front path. So I blew it away, 
cleaned it all up and the RSPCA man turned up when I got back home and he said that uh, he's been told that I was out there blowing all the evidence away that uh, was killing cats. Now, it's very silly. People should get their facts right. We are not killing cats. We love animals. We've got birds in our own garden. We have cats come in and sit there looking at them. And they just go away. They don't bother them. Why do people, Dave, why do people think it's it's you and your daughter? We don't know, but the RSPCA was very confused. He went to see several people in the street yesterday. He searched our house. He looked all over our house, and he checked the animals that we have, and he was more than pleased with it. He went down to my daughter's house, and he checked all around there. He even looked in the dustbin where we put the rubbish out of the edge and there was nothing there, and he said he's more than happy that it's nothing to do with us. The police are aware of this because we have called the police on several occasions because we have had really threatening and nasty letters put through our door. What, what kind of thing, thing have they said? If you don't stop killing these F-word cats, you'll get killed yourself. And the one that we gave to the police was... If you don't stop killing cats, you'll be in dead trouble. Now, all we're guilty of is ignoring everyone and just getting on with our own life, spending time in our garden, going out, doing our normal thing. My daughter has MS, and she has a 12-year-old daughter, and she loves being out in the garden, and all I do is go down, clean up through the edge, cut the edges, cut the grass, and keep it all up together for her. Dave, I've, I've got to ask you a few questions, if you don't mind. Yeah, go on. Have you killed any cats? Never in my life. Do I've you... never harmed any animal. You mentioned um, uh, slugs and snails, and I've just been Googling yeah. this, and some people use uh, antifreeze... Oh, no, no, no. To, ...to get rid of slugs and snails. Have you ever used antifreeze no. in the garden? No, never. Just what we do, we go to Asda, you can buy a cheap lager shandy, and if you put that lager shandy in and put the tub, the margarine tub, the slugs get into it and it kills them off without any harm to anyone and it's not harming anything. Have you used any poisons to to get rid of slugs and snails? Because some of those can be dangerous to animals. There is one little incident when my daughter first moved in there two years ago. A chap knocked on her door about three weeks after she'd moved in and he said, are you using slug pellets? And we said, yes, because we're terrible with slugs. And he said, my dog's been eating them. Oh. And he's had to take him to the vet. So we immediately stopped that and we apologised. The chap was quite all right about <clears> it. <throat> he said it was his own fault because the dog shouldn't be in the garden. Dave, have you, um, have you tried to speak to your neighbours about this? It's a waste of time talking to them. Even the lady over the shop here asked my daughter if she was chucking dead cats into the bin. Why would she, why would she <laughs> ask her that? I don't know. My daughter just walked away laughing and come back in and she said, the lady in the shop's just asked me if I've chucked a dead cat in there. <laughs> and all she done was put a sweet paper in there, save chucking it on the floor. Have people... So you've had these notes, you've had this incident with the lady speaking to your daughter. Have you been confronted in the street... Oh, I've been swore at a few times, and I've just ignored them. The police say, ignore it, it'll go away. But I feel sorry for these people that have lost their cats, 
because especially if they're elderly people, they're on their own, they like a little cat to sit down and cuddle and that. This sort of thing's got to be stopped because it's not right. But I can assure everyone listening, please get your facts right and stop sending the RSPCA here because it's absolutely nothing to do with us at all. All we're doing is ignoring all of you and getting on with their own life and doing their own thing. Dave, a couple, couple of more questions and we'll let, let you go. And I really appreciate your time this morning. You've had a couple of notes which sound to me, um, and I hope I'm not over-dramatising this, they sound like death threats. Yeah, they have been. What effect are these letters having on you? Well, it's very upsetting and annoying for all of us, but the police have been involved and the police have been out. They've searched the house, they've looked around my daughter's house. They're more than happy that there's nothing going on. But the police, in some ways, are useless because they do not sort these matters out. Well, are the police doing anything about the the threats that you've had? No. They took the, the letter away and it was, a, it was my daughter's neighbour that put the letter through the door, one of them. They do know that because they, they said they had the prints. But uh, the police are just not doing anything. They don't take it seriously. They just say it's cats. They go to people's gardens, which is obvious they do. I mean, we've got foxes that come up here. They go over, the sh- over near the shop. They go into the, f- the flats behind Chaucer Close on the corner of Westfield Road. We, sat, we sat, looked out the window at 2 o'clock in the morning and see a fox with an animal in its mouth. Dave, we have to end it there. I do appreciate you getting in contact with the show this morning. Dave heard uh, our reports on the um, the cat killings in Berkhamsted and uh, felt that he needed to have his say, and I appreciate that. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number. Uh, Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. Uh, some comments on the Facebook. Um, uh, Reese says, I've had two cats poisoned with antifreeze and one poisoned with rat poison. The one who was given rat poison survived after a blood transfusion. I've just been reading about the effects of antifreeze on cats. It's pretty unpleasant. Once they've had it, there's not a lot you can do. If, if you can grab them while they're drinking it, you might be in with a chance. Otherwise, to be honest, that's pretty much it. Uh, Paul in Stevenage, uh, in the email says, if somebody wants to leave antifreeze on their own property, they can. If cat owners didn't let their cats out to go wherever they wanted, then it wouldn't have happened. Cat mess is a big problem, but the cat owners don't care about that. Paul, you're not for one second suggesting, are you? I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. You're not suggesting that these uh, these cat deaths are acceptable. And surely cats do... I mean, my cat drinks puddles, you know, they, they drink water. If a cat's going to drink the antifreeze, that, that can't be acceptable. Why, why would you leave it in your back garden? What, what possible benefit could there be? And finally, before we uh, go to uh, Adam for the travel, Steve says, perhaps you should encourage cat owners to be as responsible as JVS and keep their pets under control by keeping them inside. Poisoning cat, cats is perhaps a little extreme... But what other method of keeping cats off your property works as well? It's unfortunate that someone has been driven to take such an extreme measure, but it would not have been necessary if the cat owners had not been so inconsiderate. Paul and Steve, I'm, I'm genuinely shocked. You're condoning the murder of cats? 8.46, Travel News Now, here's Adam. Hearts and Bucks Travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. And it's still slow on the M25, anti-clockwise, Chorleywood to the M40 junction, 18 to 16, clockwise busy, Potters Bar to Enfield through the roadworks. If you're using the M40 this morning, northbound one lane closed. 
because of an accident with a lorry involved between Oxford and Bicester. There's still that lane shut off and traffic is very busy past it. Northbound M1 is slow from Redbourne to Luton. Southbound looking busy from Newport Packwell Services to Milton Keynes. The A1M heavy between Hitchin and Stevenage. On the trains, London Midland reporting delays of up to half an hour between Milton Keynes and Watford Junction. They've got a broken down train at Bletchley. That's affecting Southern and Virgin train services as well. Once you get into London, the overground is suspended between Wilston Junction and Clapham Junction and Wilston Junction and Euston because they've got a couple of problems. One is a broken down train, the other a fire alert. That fire alert means the Bakerloo line tube is suspended between Queen's Park and Harrow and Wheelstone and the Piccadilly line running with severe delays. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. Morning, it's 8.47. It's Thursday the 18th of April. I'm Ian Lee and these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Hertfordshire's police commissioner, David Lloyd, is denying his suggestion that more civilians should intervene in crime encourages so-called have-a-go heroes. Four men who admitted discussing bombing Luton's Territorial Army Centre are due for sentencing at Woolwich Crown Court. In Rugby's Championship, Bedford Blues beat Doncaster Knights 38-26 at Goldington Road last night. And coming up, Dave from Luton has been in touch with the show. He's concerned about changes which have been made to footpaths in the town. He thinks it's been made more dangerous for school children. We'll get that before JVS at nine. But let's get the latest weather now with Elizabeth Rossini. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. It's a rather windy morning and we do have some showers blowing in on that wind as well. So don't expect it to stay dry for very much longer today. Some spells of brightness and sunshine out there across the three counties, particularly in between the showers. The showers should blow through nice and quickly, but some of them locally could be on the uh, on the heavy side, particularly as we head through the first part of the afternoon. Temperatures today not as high as we saw yesterday, um, only up to around 12 or 13 degrees, I suspect, today in Milton Keynes in Bedford and High Wycombe as well. That's 55 in Fahrenheit. So yes, much fresher feel to things than we saw yesterday. Overnight tonight, well through the evening, the showers will fade away. A fine end to the day, I think, for many of us. And temperatures drop into 6 and 8 degrees Celsius or between those numbers overnight. So a cooler night, a touch cooler than we saw last night with some more showery rain as we head towards dawn tomorrow. Tomorrow then, those winds will be considerably lighter. There will be some sunny spells around. Temperatures at around 12 degrees. It's about average, really, for the time of year and that's where they're going to stay for the rest of the week. But Friday night into Saturday, gardeners beware because there will be a touch of ground frost, I think, for many areas. The weekend, though, is looking dry and fine and there'll be some decent spells of sunshine around on Saturday and on Sunday too. That's the forecast. Thank you, Elizabeth. Nick Coffer on BBC Three Counties Radio. Every weekday between 12 and 3, I'm here with a little bit of celebrity. I've always loved being a comedian because it's my job, so I'm going to keep doing that. I was voted Japan's number one male vocalist of the year, and I beat out Frank Sinatra. How's that? <laughs> Expert advice. It does sound like it's a mechanical pain brought on by altered mechanics in your upper limb. Your capital's protected because I'm guessing what you don't want to do is take any risks with the capital itself. And loads of really great music. Nick Coffer, weekdays from 12 on BBC Three Counties Radio. Jimmy Osmond. It's Jimmy Osmond, the uh, I was voted Japan's number one vocalist, no bigger than Frank Sinatra. It's Jimmy Osmond from the Osmonds. We, uh, I uh, corralled Nick Coffer's producer yesterday. I harangued her in a corner. I don't think you can get done for that yet. But probably in 30 years' time I'll get arrested for it. But she told me it was uh, we Jimmy Osmond. I was, I was shocked as well. I know, incredible. 
Now, if you've got a news story that you think we should be talking about on this show, I, I do want to hear from you. Email me directly, ian.lee at bbc.co.uk, or you can give us a ring. Well, that's exactly what Dave Fulbrook from Luton has done. He got in touch because he's worried, <clears throat> excuse me, about a footpath near to Sundon Park, which has been moved to the other side of the road leaving pedestrians vulnerable when walking towards the park and under the bridge. Well, our reporter, Justin Dealey, is with him now. Justin. Thank you, Ian. Yes, as you say, I'm with Dave. We're on the Sundon Park Road, and lots of people concerned about this. Uh, Dave, welcome to the programme. Tell us exactly what's going on here and, and what's made you so angry. Well, it was over the weekends, over the last three weekends, they've closed the road and bridges at Sundon Park Road, and they've changed the path in, and the majority uh, to the other side of the road, and you've got children coming along this bridge have got to go without no traffic lights now in Toddington Road and they've got to cross this main road which is very, very busy to get to the school at Leland's or the mothers and fathers have to go up there to Tesco stores. Well, I've seen it myself this morning so essentially what you're saying is before it was on the other side the children would use the lights then use the footpath and it was perfectly safe now they're having to cross a busy road to get onto that footpath. Yes, yeah, that's correct and some some part of it they haven't even got a place to go stand in the middle of the road so they've got to stand in the middle of the road with no protection to get to the other side and as we've been looking this morning we see a boy on a bike he had a very difficult time and he almost hit a, lo- hit a lorry now okay. we'll be talking to the council in just a second about this but um you're saying that children are petrified uh, are you presuming that or have you been speaking to the parents here they are petrified i've been talking to the parents i've got a grandson that goes to the school at leland's he does use it and he's terrified and it's not just them it's the um, elderly people as well that use the parks the swings and even go to the shops like up tesco's up in sunday park so why are you saying unless something is done a child here could be seriously injured if not killed is that what you're saying that is correct that is seriously correct but good thank god there has never been a serious accident in this area for a long while okay you wanted a response you wanted a solution joining us live here is councillor dave taylor from luton borough council very simply dave um, as you heard there from dave has come to the program why have you changed the footpath to the other side yeah it was identified some time ago that we wanted to make it a safer pedestrian and cycling route to and from the school um, it's work in progress at the moment. If you remember, we went back last year, last September. Um, we wanted to do all the all the work in a week, uh, but it caused so much traffic chaos that, that we postponed it and said we'd do it bit by bit. Mm. Um, and we're right in the middle of it at the moment. Um, so we, uh, we've had a site visit and you've had a look. Um, there are light-controlled pedestrian crossings that will be going in to make it a much safer route than it was previously. OK, how quickly is that going to happen? Well, as, as, as soon as practically possible. Um, the, the, the road surfacing has been done and now we're just waiting for the installation of the lights. OK, so you want those lights to go in as soon as possible. Are you not concerned though? Because I've seen it this morning, just from my personal point of view here, that does look dangerous. Are you not worried in the meantime a child could be seriously injured? Well, we're always going to be worried that, the, that a child could be seriously injured. Um, you know, roads, roads are specifically by their virtue dangerous to pedestrians mm. um, but you're reassuring point, parents this morning I, I, these I, lights I, are going in yeah, as soon as, as possible as, as, as soon as possible those, those, those pedestrian control lights will go in and it's the whole point of the exercise is to make it safer for pedestrians and cyclists to cross this particular difficult junction. Justin, sorry to interrupt mm. can you ask him how soon is as soon as possible? I'll put that question to you again how soon? 
as soon as practically possible. What weeks, we will months? Do is, no, I mean, if, if they do not come weeks today... Weeks or months? No, no, we will put in temporary pedestrian crossings tomorrow. Tomorrow? Yeah. Off the back of this? Yeah, off the back of this. OK, uh, let's go back to uh, Dave Fulbrook. Dave, you came to the programme, you were worried, so temporary measures going in tomorrow, you must be delighted with that solution. Well, yeah, certainly. It, it, all they want, on, on the exchange, uh, what the transfer of what they've done, just put a set of lights and that'll make everyone happy to see the kids able to go across the road with um, a, a traffic lights. Good Are you that. glad you came to BBC Three Counties Radio now? What, see you, Justin? <laughs> yes, yeah. It's not about me, the no. solution to your problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I am, yeah. And, but I, I, there's no quibble between the council and everything, but it was just something that what we saw at the weekends, uh, it was, and what we've seen through the week, it's been horrific. And some of these kids have been running across the road because they've got nowhere else to park. OK, I've got run. to leave it there. There you go, Dave Fulbrook and also Councillor Dave Taylor from Lucenborough. Well Council. done, Justin. So, there you go, In A solution will be happening as soon as tomorrow. And, of course, um, long-term, those new lights going in, which will then prevent the children crossing that busy road to get on the footpath, which has now been changed to the opposite side of the road. Excellent stuff, Justin. Well done. We've got a couple of quick callers in this I'd like to squeeze in. We've got Darren in Luton. Good morning, Darren. Good morning. We've also got Roy from Luton. Uh, Darren, you're, you're upset with what they've done to this bridge, are you? This path? Yeah, yeah. You've got a traffic lights on one side, and they took, the, and, they, and it was only a couple of years ago they put a grid above the bridge to actually stop the pigeons messing onto people. Um, and I just feel that it's very unsafe. And they should have had something like a lollipop lady in place from Monday, because I saw it on Sunday. And I knew the children were going back to Leland's High School, and I know that they cross dangerously there, as it is. Roy, you, you, you disagree. You think that the, the path needed to move. Yes, I certainly do. Yeah, I use that, um, that bridge um, under, under crossing a lot. And to be quite honest, the attitude of the kids coming down from that school, even when it was in the original place, was absolutely disgusting. They will not cross at the Pelican lights. They just walked in the road where they felt like it. I've actually sat at those lights, um, and they've not even bothered to use them. Uh, they just walk across the road so what the council have done is a good idea perhaps they should have thought about putting the lights in before they did the uh, um, the movement of the pavement but no it's a much better idea and a much safer idea as far as I'm concerned Darren? Yep um, I do agree the kids are across the road dangerously not all of them some of them but then kids are kids um, but one other thing I think is on the other side Sunderland Park Road there is no now, there is, I don't know what they're going to do about making it safe crossing to get to the park because you cannot get from the path to where the little traffic island is on the other side. So, in the middle of the road. So, what? I think that it's very unsafe. Darren, leave, leave it to us. We've sorted this one out. We sorted this one out in five minutes. We'll, we'll get that fixed for you next week. Don't worry. <laughs> I, I can't guarantee that in the slightest. But well done, Justin, uh, for pushing uh, that councillor and, and, and getting an answer. They're going to put a temporary measure in tomorrow. And we'll certainly check on that and make sure that that's um, been done. We'll, we'll come back and look at that maybe on Monday. Uh, they're going to put in a temporary measure on Monday and then look at a more permanent... Uh, and w- well done, uh, Councillor Dave Taylor as well. I thought he took it on the chin and, uh, and uh, stepped up and said, you know what, yes, mate, possibly, possibly we have made a mistake here. Let's see what we can do to rectify that. Well, we were talking about uh, that because Dave Fulbrook got in touch. And I can't say this enough. We're getting some really interesting stories from you, stuff that the big dinosaur that is the BBC quite often misses. It's a wonderful machine, but it can move in its own strange, lumbering way. Uh, And it's great to have you as our eyes and our ears. If there are things happening to you, and it can be huge things, huge things that affect the whole county, or it can affect your town, or your street, or your house, or just you, 
if you think that we should be looking at it on this show or on this station, ian.lee at bbc.co.uk. And if the story's not right for us, I will pass it on to a show that I think it is more appropriate for. I've sent a few things on to, uh, to Nick Coffer's show, and a few of those uh, have uh, fruited. Is fruited a word? If it isn't, it certainly is now, I'll tell you that. Well, someone who's fruited this morning is Adam Glynn. Hearts and Bucks Travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. I think I'll take that as a compliment. I, th- I, I, I would if I were you. I'm, I'm Yes, why not? Thank you, Ian. You're very kind. The M25 clockwise still slow from Potter's Bar to Enfield through the roadworks. Anti-clockwise slow from Chorleywood to the M40 and the M1. First off northbound, slow moving from Redbourne to Luton, and southbound busy between Newport Pagnell and Milton Keynes. If you're joining the M40, northbound still one lane closed off for recovery work after an accident with a lorry involved between Oxford and Bicester, junction 8A and 9. On the trains, London Midland delays of up to half an hour, Milton Keynes central to Watford Junction because of a broken down train at Bletchley. That's affecting Southern and Virgin train services as well. Into London, the overground is suspended between Wilston Junction and Clapham Junction and Wilston Junction and London Euston. The Bakerloo line tube, severe delays between Queen's Park and Harrow and Wealdstone, but it is running again. The Piccadilly line has minor delays now. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Adam, thank you very much. Well, that's it. That was an exciting show. We'll certainly follow that cat story and um, also keep an eye on that, that crossing to see if change is being made. I'm back tomorrow at six. We've got some live music. We've got some good live music. JBS is up next. Until tomorrow from me, ta-ta. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Ian. Good morning. Welcome to the JBS show. I'm Jonathan Vernon-Smith. It's Thursday. And on this morning's big phone-in, is it best to